Looking for podcasts to listen to? Check out our collection of shows on the Brothers Bear Network. First up, Brothers Bear Podcast, a comedy show where two brothers and their friend talk about everything from movies, music, and their love for everything geek. Or 88 Miles Per Hour Podcast, where you hop into our DeLorean and go back in time with a podcast that talks about the past, including pop culture, video games, random life stories, but mostly about the movies from our past. There's also Disney Plus Podcast, a show with four hosts talking about what's on Disney Plus. Each week, we'll watch something that's only on Disney Plus and review slash discuss the movie or show. We'll also talk some Disney history, news, or related topics about Disney. And last, Monkey Monsters Podcast is now Monkey Monsters Midweek Podcast, a show about family life, relationships, movies, stories of our past, having kids, and arguing slash debating over which is better, pancakes or French toast. All shows are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. This is the Brothers Bear Network. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. This podcast is a special podcast because today, this episode, is the 30th anniversary celebration of Back to the Future Part 3. That's right. If you're listening on Monday, May 25th, 2020, it is exactly 30 years from the original release date of Back to the Future 3. So yeah, so this episode is going to be all Back to the Future related, everything. And I have some awesome interviews too. But first, let's get into the movie. But I'm not going to be doing it alone. I actually have a special guest joining me. She is a host from Disney Plus Podcast and also Monkey Monsters Midweek Podcast. And and she's also a veteran of 88 Miles Per Hour Podcast. She's recorded a Christmas story and vacation episode. And I think another episode. I don't remember. But ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce my fiance, Julia. Those were just little cameos. I'm not a veteran of 88. Cameos? You did whole episodes. I just special guested. You special guested. All right. Well, I mean, no, but you still came on. You did a... No, I just popped in and out like a little, like a fart well, in the wind. No, you actually you did in a good amount of episodes. You did pop in, in and out uh, a lot during season three. You did pop in and out. Um, but you did record actual full episodes. So yeah, so so you're going to be joining me for this little part where we talk about the movie Back to the Future 3, give a nice little synopsis of the film. Most of you should know this if you're listening to it. But yeah, and then just our, you know, some questions and stuff that we brought up, reviews, uh, things we liked, didn't like. And then afterwards, stay tuned because we have some special interviews. All right, so let's get into it. Back to the Future 3, as said, was, re- was released May 25th, 1990. The movie was the budget was $40 million and the box office was $246.1 million. This movie is directed once again by Robert Zemeckis in which part two and three were shot together with the break in between at one point. And the reason why they shot both films together in which actually I, I didn't know this. I knew they shot they did this, but I, I ended up finding out much later that it was because there was a hiatus during Family Ties. 
So it, that's um, why they had to do both back to back because it was a perfect time. So he was still filming the show when he was. It was towards the, the end. Yeah, it was getting at the end of like the series because I've like, never watched the show. Yeah, well, in the first film, it was with with Marty. They didn't want to let him out of the contract, like well, not the contract, but to like go film. Right. So he would literally go film back to. I mean, uh, family ties during the day. Then they would send the car for him, pick him up. He would shoot all night sleep for like two hours and then start shooting family ties the next day. Like he was doing that for the whole time of part one. To so, be young. Exactly. So part two, in which, you know, what's kind of funny. It's like when you see part, especially part three, when you look at Marty, when you, Michael J. Fox, I don't see a kid like a, because he's supposed to be a teenager. He's in high school, but he doesn't look like a high schooler anymore. He looks much older now in this film. Where in the first film. He's a high school kid. So he's literally a high school kid. Almost going to get murdered a few times in part three. And he fights a grown man, Biff Tannen. He's, he's, a, he's supposed to be a kid. He's a high schooler. Stress ages you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been in an adventure for two I weeks. I mean, look at presidents before and after their, oh, their, their terms. Yeah, they true. look really different. I mean, he, his mom almost tried to have sex with him. His dad's a, a friggin' weirdo peeping Tom. He's been through a lot. <laughs> he's a peeping Tom. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, I mean, who didn't expect that from Crispin Glover? Right? And obviously, he didn't return on this film. If he agreed to being in part two and three, he would have played Seamus. But, you know, all that stuff happened where he didn't want to be in it. I think he was asking for more money or something. I don't remember exactly. But they ended up, you know, using somebody to play him. So it's like you're seeing Crispin Glover. And that's why he they, ended up suing and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, that's why that... that exists now the suing over your likeness yeah so all of that and he won so yeah but Seamus was supposed to be in. so yeah we don't get the return of Crispin Glover but we do get Michael J Fox Christopher Lloyd Thomas F Wilson once again playing a different version of the Biff gang you know I mean of the Biff family on um, the Tannen meaning and then Leah Thompson also returns but then you get a new character and a new actress a Mary Steenburgen. Cheeseburgers. Yes Mary Cheeseburgers as what my love here calls her. Um, it, it, it's, it's because I, I she was one like I have a huge crush on. Uh, this Actually this was the film where it came from was this movie. Is this one? Yeah it was that's where I was introduced of her. I was like who is this lady? Who is she? And I thought I was like oh my gosh like you know and i always liked her you know remember last man but that's where it became because we would watch last man on earth and she would constantly tease me about it and instead of giving her, her actual name she would call her mary cheeseburgers and i don't know maybe it's much easier to say than her real name <laughs> so yeah so all right so let's let, let's uh let's go through through the films okay well first i want to ask um why is it so significant farts oh that it was just a fly that's okay okay <laughs> She send that a son of a bitch back to the past. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, so okay, there's people that have middle initials. Yeah, and um, I never noticed that Doc had a middle initial because I mean he was always just Doc Brown. So it was in this movie. I noticed it was Emmett L. Brown. And I'm like, well, what the hell is his middle name? If it's, if it's Emmett L. Brown, is it something like, is his middle name Leslie? Is like a family name? Why is like, I don't know. I noticed dumb little things. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, 
<laughs> like that non-spider that landed right here. Wait, wait what, what, what? I know we looked it up because I. she asked me and I didn't even know what the hell his middle name. Leslie. What, what? I meant Leslie Brown. Oh, yeah. It was Leslie? No, I don't know. Uh no, I thought I thought we looked it up and it was something dumb, right? Like all Lavar Burt no, what is that? Oh, that's Von Braun. <laughs> uh, there's no L in that name. <laughs> we should have had it ready. But yeah, um Oh here, Larthrope. Look. What the hell is a Larthrope? That's what it says. Lathrop? Oh. <laughs> Him and Larthrope Brown. Lathrop? Lathrop Brown. Okay, so that's what the L stands. It's kinda like Homer J. Simpson. You know what? I want to start introducing myself with my middle initial too. Like I'm Joya Y Diaz. <laughs> I love like why Diaz because uh, I don't want to go by Madrano. <laughs> what <are> you jerk? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and that's why I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that the that's I don't know why he does Doc M, you know Al Brown, but he usually just goes by Doc, you know. Because obviously Emmett. he doesn't care too much for his middle name because it's not on his headstone, oh. unless Clara didn't know him enough. Because they only knew each other for a week, and she was already his like like the love of his life, but she didn't even know his middle name. What? Oh shit! Yeah. How do you love someone and not know their middle name? What's my middle name? <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. What's my middle name? Alberto. It's not Alberto. Albert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah uh, well yeah yeah that is true because based on the timeline when he met her it was the school so marty showed up so that means he met her within a week's time yeah yeah holy hell i didn't think of that because the way it plays off it's like oh you know his life and this and that but no it's still the same time frame it's just now marty's a part of it so yeah and then she died. But remember, it was like if if you had to put it in terms of today, you know, when they saw each other, they zinged. So yeah. So they fell in love. Love. Well, I mean, it was time. slim pickings back then. I mean, did you see Biff Tannen? Looked like he had it showered in since birth. Yeah, like his face was and there dirty were some and dark. scenes where his he was much darker than others. Yeah, like what? Like that was. I always thought that was a weird choice. I'm like, is it the lighting or why is he darker in this scene than he yeah. was in the last scene? Like that's why they're like, using too much bronzer. Like they're putting they they they're making him very like they're adding. He looks like he he was a chimney sweep. <laughs> like he's just covered in soot. Yeah, you and know. And why isn't his gang just as dirty? Yeah, he's the. They only... look all clean, and he's like in all. But like just really dirty and black. He's maybe that that's his side gig. He's a chimney sweep during the day, you know. Chimney sweep. Yeah. Did, they, did they have chimneys back then? Yeah. Her her house had a chimney. Clara's house, the one that's next to the school. They didn't have Dennis, but no, I guess they had Dennis too. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis. And, because it's the same thing, cleaning a chimney, cleaning teeth, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so in Back to the Future 3, Marty, now, who, in the second film... Farts. What happened? Nothing, I thought something touched me. Oh. Okay, so this story, what, actually, this is... Ranking, part one is my favorite. Part three is my second favorite, and part two is my least favorite. Now I would have to agree. Yeah, now see here's the thing. The re I love I love them all three equally. Put it this way, I for don't. those of you who live in Southern California, um it, it's like an In-N-Out burger. It you you got a, just a regular cheeseburger and then you got the double double. 
they're both good, but one is better than the other. And that's how I see part three is like the double double. And part two is like just the regular, you know, cheeseburger. So what's part one? Part one a is shake. <laughs> well, <I'm> just... <laughs> they're... <laughs> Uh, well, they're, what it's the meal, the whole meal. You get the the food, it's as a whole. Because it's perfect. What I'm, I'm, stop. <laughs> I don't get it. That was um, a dumb analogy. No, I'm just trying to say is that it's still good. That I'm not saying part two sucks. Part two is just as good, but part three is much better because part two par- borrows a lot from the from the first film. It's like because if in this film, this is the first time you see Marty. Not get away from Biff and 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 cause something that gets him into like in the beginning manure or whatever because in the first film, what happens when he chases him? He he gets the skateboard. He goes out there and him and his gang chase Marty. They crash into the manure truck. Boom. Part two. What happens with Griff and his gang? They're chasing him around hoverboard. He misses, crashes into the clock tower. They all get arrested. Okay. Boom. In this one, he gets chased out. But what happens? He gets lassoed and they almost kill him. They hang him. So this yeah. is the first time he doesn't get away. From... Doc had to save him. Exactly. So Doc, already in 1885, ended up saving him and shooting him. And in which, if you didn't know, in that scene, he almost died. He actually died. Something happened where he was actually being hung. And I believe he did pass out. Yes, he, he you know, he almost, you know, there was an issue where he... So imagine, like, Marty McFly in that scene. And they actually use this footage, so... Every good, in every good movie, there's almost a near fatality. Yeah, that is true. If, if someone didn't almost die for the, to create the art, it wasn't that good of a, of a project. No. So you, ha- you have to almost die for your art. So Back to the Future 3, what it is, is Marty now, who's stuck in alternate i mean not an alternate in 1955 has to go back to doc who just sent marty back to the future and he has to get his help to go back in time this this movie really confused me um in terms of the timelines it because like i don't know maybe i would it would have been less confusing if i would have marathoned all three and watch them consecutively, but because you, I didn't, and the last time I saw part two was, you know, a couple months ago, I really couldn't remember how the other one left off, and this one started, so I was super confused, like, I didn't understand why, um, when Marty was revealing to Doc that, you know, he somehow... Uh, that he had gone back to 1885 yeah. and sent him this letter. And then, you know, like, there's this picture of Doc Brown. Um, I was like, why isn't Marty in that picture? Well, because he, he hadn't gone back yet. Well, if, uh, well, I mean, yeah, he hasn't gone back yet. But then again, once he goes back, that timeline's going to... No, I don't know. It's time! <laughs> It's I the one of the you know one movie that does this is is Bill and Ted's Adventure where they where they're like they're in the they're like man we need your dad's keys to to let out like beat the oven and Billy the kid out of jail he's like oh well what we can do is after we go to the you know we do our report we'll go back in time I'll leave the keys here for us and then you know so when he looks he's like boom the keys are right there. So they kind of do that in the movie, like they'll. So I guess, yeah, it's like that time travel. He should have been in the photo, always, right? 
I feel like he should have. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting confused. I've never had this question before, but you know, hey. All right. So that's what happened. So yeah. So originally Marty was supposed to go to the future and Doc is just, he's living happily back in time. And, you know, but it, it isn't until... Okay, when you when you say things, use the dates because it really confuses me. Okay, so Old so, West... Should I say Old West instead? You could say 1885. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> okay, so 1885, um, that's where Doc is, that letter. They're reading the letter from 1885 Doc. He's happy. He's... He's content, living he's in the on past. Cloud nine. He's a, a blacksmith. He's awesome. He's like, I'm a good guy. Go on, Marty. You you have a good laugh. I love you. You know, uh -huh. even makes 1955 Doc cry. Like, oh my At what God. point? I, I can't remember now. At what point did they realize he, he dies five days later after the, he went back or before he went back? No, before he went back. So before because he went. So, so in 55. Before he went to eighty five, he already knew yeah. Doc was gonna. Die. Well, here, here's here's why, and with with Doc, he went to um the the letter specified. Look, I hid the DeLorean in this cave. Yes, you know it's gonna be there. I forget what the hell the cave is called, but cave the, of wonders. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So it's in the, it's in a cave. So that's where it's at. It's in a cave. It's hiding out. Just go there, add some new tires. It's been there for 80 years. So like what, you know, I'm not a car guy. So they, they repaired the car as the they're getting filter. the car out, as they're taking the car out of the cave that was hidden with his initials, Emmett L. Brown. Emmett Leslie Brown. Yes. <laughs> Copernicus is crying. Why? Because a dog could read and he sees a headstone that says, Emmett Brown. So when Marty goes, he goes, come on, Copernicus. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then that's when. So my question is. I didn't think the dog could read. The dogs could like, they could Excuse smell me. hormones and stuff. Dummy. You really thought the dog read the headstone? So he could Be read. He could smell dead dog. Haven't you seen those like pictures on Facebook and or like those TikTok videos or whatever? Where it's like, oh, this dog comes and visits its owner at his grave and just lays there. Oh yeah, huh. that's true. I mean, that makes a hell of a lot more sense than they the did dog that, they read did that the in, headstone. Or you know, yeah. <laughs> well, I I didn't think the dog read the headstone. You but, just said but that, but they make it look like that. That's the thing. The dog is literally staring at the headstone. It's that because his master is dead there. Yeah, so he knows. But he the, senses or, something. Or is it wrong. more that the dog is confused because he's like, I see my master over there, but I smell my master down here. Anyways, Marty sees that, and that's what starts the, whoa, is that me? Yes. Is that me? Like, oh, I think that's what brought up the Leslie Brown for me. Yeah. I'm like, that could be any Emmett Brown. Exactly. Like, there's only one Emmett Brown existed, because if it was this uh, Emmett, if it was Doc, it would have said Emmett Leslie Brown. Yeah, exactly. To, but it did it. it just and said then on, Brown. on that tombstone, it does say that, you know, he was killed over a matter of $80 by Buford Tannen. It does say, you know, by his beloved, beloved Clara. Clara and so they're like I don't know Clara like all right well we got to find out because right before that scene he's like you think I could go to the library and look myself up Marty tells him I don't know you've always said it's not a good idea to know too much about here so he's like all right but this causes them to go to the library 
So, library. Yeah. So they go to the library. Library. The berry. And that's when they look up. They see the photo of the clock tower that you talked about earlier. Oh, that's right. So that's when they know, crap, it is. This is true. All of it's true. Okay. And that's when Marty decides, you know, I'm not going back to 1985. I'm going to go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back in time. <laughs> I'm going to go back in time and save you. And he's like, okay, we're going to do this. So that that's that's why at that point they know. So to answer your question with that long setup, that's when they knew. So he's yes. going back. So okay. he does know. That's great. And then they go to a drive-in. Geographically speaking, yeah. where is this taking place? Where is Hill Valley? What state is this? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm My assumption, because it's supposed to be... So much of the movie looks, you know, like the suburbs. But then they go to the drive-in and they look like they're out in the flipping desert. Yeah. Like, you see, like, Red Rock Mountains. And I'm like, well, where exactly is, is this taking place? Honestly, I don't know where it's supposed to take place. But they're, they're out somewhere far where it does look like it's the desert. Who knows? Maybe this takes place in Arizona. We're never really fully given a place. All we know it's is a, that it's a suburbs because we know La Puente Hills, Puente Hills Mall, where they film. A lot of the stuff is filmed in Pasadena. You know, the houses are all over there. So we all I, we, I always just figured it's California. So they go to the drive in. And yeah, so that's where he gets sent back in time. And it's it, it's a cool. I like this joke where like he sees the Indians, you know. I mean, it's Indians. I mean, I know it's the Native Americans, but we're thinking of the time of the film. So it's, he says, am I going to hit those Indians? He's like, ah, nah, you're not thinking for it eventually. Don't worry about it. They're not going to be there. But when he goes through, he sees them. Boom. He's like, ah, he freaks out. So he has to drive away. The one thing is he gets away. He goes in a cave. I don't understand how the arrow is perfectly straight. This bow looks so manufactured. It does not look like an Indian made this bow. Maybe they just didn't figure people would catch that. I caught it. Oh, I guess. So I did guess. the DeLorean, right in the side. <laughs> I guess so. But what I don't understand is why is it straight? That's the one thing. I don't know. Why is there a California black bear inside of that cave? I didn't know bears hang out in the desert. Well, do bears hang out in forests? Yes. Exactly. Maybe that, what maybe the hell that, does that cave have to do with the <laughs> Did he take a detour and bring it with him? That cave leads to a forest. That is not true. I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to give logic to why there's a black bear chilling there. Because where is he going to get his food? He has to eat a certain amount of food to survive because he's a big bear. And he's out in the desert. Like, it makes no sense. He's completely displaced. Honestly, that it should have killed Marty. <laughs> it should have. <laughs> Seriously, that bear would have not stopped for them boots. Unless those boots, because he never wore the boots, but he, for some reason, that's the only thing that saved him was those boots. He threw the boots back and then the bear stops and eats the boots. And then that's when Marty doesn't put on the boots. So he leaves the Nikes on because he's not supposed to, because he's dressed like a clown, like basically a clown. And Doc told him that's what cowboys look like, but he looks like a freaking cartoon cowboy. So he's over there dressed all weird, no hat you know has his sneakers on and then uh, when he's being chased by the bear he ends up falling down a hill and he crashes into a fence and boom Seamus is farm is McFly farm and then that's when we get the whole uh where again the same sequence we had in other two films where he wakes up and he's like I had a bad dream this and that he's like don't worry you're all safe and sound here in the McFly farm he's like McFly farm and he sees his mom 
but it's not his mom. So if his mom is already somehow related in the McFly family, does that mean Lorraine and and George McFly are share the same great great grandparents? See, that's the thing. Um, like they could have used like any woman. It didn't have to be her. It's like I get they're trying to be you know because she did the other two, but it doesn't make it any doesn't sense. Make sense. Either. Yeah, because she wouldn't be in that timeline. Sure. At all, like, or, or in that Unless family. Unless they're incestuous. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Because when he goes back in 1955, there's his dad, there's his side of the family, and then you got his, her, his mom, Lorraine. Unless and- maybe after uh, Marty comes back to the 1985, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't see their lives play out. Yeah, and he only ever sees a picture of his great great-grandpa William, not his great-great-great-grandpa, Seamus. So maybe he died of dysentery, like in the Oregon Trail, and she remarries, changes her name, and starts a new bloodline family. So Lorraine and him are related, but distantly related. Because back when, I mean, your husband dies, you remarry, you start a whole new life. Yeah. You don't... Yeah, I guess so. And then they died all the time back when. I mean, did they have a potato famine in, in the U.S. too? Maybe Seamus died because he didn't have potatoes. Yeah. You know, or or he drank the dirty water. Because remember when he, he poured in the, the water? He got the dysentery. Yeah. That, that brown that, water. Exactly. It could have been a germs in there, brain-eating amoeba. Diarrhea. You know, what, who knows? So, yeah. So, I always, I always found that weird, you know. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. So, then the next day, you know, Marty, he's provided a new hat. And he goes in the town. A derby. A derby. Which I was not aware that derbies uh, were around in Western times. Um, I've never seen a Western movie, but from still images I've caught of Westerns, I've never seen someone wearing a derby hat. So I found that interesting. Well, maybe we could look up when the hats existed. Derby hat. It was invented by John Derby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 1849. Uh, see, they existed back when. In London. They're, they're Irish. The hell did he get the derby hat? Yeah, but you're telling me no no one from London came over? No. <laughs> so, yeah. So, then, so, Marty, he ends up going into town, and he goes to the, to the, to the bartender. He asks him, he's looking for Doc, a, a, a blacksmith. But before that, you know, you see that, you see the freaking, he's like, you want something to drink? And he's like, yeah, give me the ice, ice water. water. And they make fun of him. <clears throat> he's like, you want water? He's like, you better dunk your head out there. He's like, all we got to sell here is freaking whiskey. whiskey. And then he pours a whiskey and it like. And the whiskey spills onto the table and it like steams. Like it's acid. Yeah. Like I, I never, I, that I never understood. Because I'm not a drinker, but I always like growing up, I always saw it as like, is this supposed to be like where it's so strong that it burns your insides? Like, or it could eat through wood? Like, I never understood. I what mean, that did was. you see? I mean, it only took one whiskey to like knock out Doc completely cold. And he's not a drinker. That's true, too. Yeah. So I don't know, but you see everybody else drinking. But I like, I like, there's this little scene that I, I, it, when he says, excuse me, because, you know, that's the typical, like, excuse mm-hmm. me, you want to get someone's attention. For him, the, the, the freaking bartender goes, for what? 
he's like, he's like, excuse me for what? And then that's when he asked him about the bartender. And then the next thing you know, who you hear walking coming through? Do do do. He's like, let me fly. And then that's when he turns around, and then he sees. He's like, oh, he's like, I thought you were Seamus, especially wearing that stupid hat. When they come in, they start making fun of him. First, have how he's dressed. Yes. And then that's when they say he's like, where they get that off of a dead Chinaman. And then that's when the guy says he's like, what, what kind of shoes are? He's like, what is that? Nikkei. And then I, I like that because you, to this day, when you got me my shoes and I opened the boxes, I didn't know what you ordered me. And I see Nike. I right away say, ooh, I got some Nikkei's. I'm a, I always call them Nikkei. Ever because of that movie, I've always called them Nikkei's and I have a pair of Nikkei's. So I like that little joke and stuff. And then that's when, you know, he says, calls him mad dog. And what happens? He's like, so no one called him a mad dog. And what, what does he start doing? He starts shooting at the ground. He does the moonwalk. Mm-hmm. In which, even though this film but was But he's released, also singing to himself, Billy Jean. Yeah. That's what's funny. So, but it's like, why keep doing the moonwalk back and forth, back and forth? I mean, I get the joke, but you're not going to constantly be doing the moonwalk over and over and over as a dance. You're Especially gonna... if someone's shooting at your feet. You're going to want to do a dance where you're lifting your feet. Exactly. Like, you know, you're going to do Not the... gliding and making easier to shoot off your foot. <laughs> Right, it's like but, counterproductive. But I do like one of the old men where he just looks at it and he's like, "Shit, <laughs> look what!" And then he does a little spin. Bah! What happens? Gets all the freaking the spit, the, yeah, yeah, all over him, and he's like, Bleh. "And right there, he could have died, but he he used up all his bullets when he was shooting at the ground." Yes. So if it wasn't for him shooting at the ground, Marty would have been dead right then and there. Yeah. So that's where again he goes out there. There's no. Marty doesn't get away. He doesn't do a good chase where, you know, Tannen falls into manure. Nope. He gets caught, almost get hung. Then that's where Doc comes. He gets him, saves the day, and he tells him, why did you come back in time? Burda, burda. And he's like, but he's happy to see them. So that's when they go into the shed. Oh, they're in the shed, and then that's when he reveals to him about getting killed. The letter. And then he's like, I should have just paid him. Because he mentions, like, he gets thrown off his horse, you know, but he never paid him for the shoe. Uh, so he gets thrown off the horse and he drops his whiskey. So that's $5 yes. and then 75 for the horse, 80 bucks. Yes. So they need a, so at that point, that's when they're like, we got to go get the car. So we got to go get the car. And with the car, that's like, all right, that's when Marty tells him, oh, we're going to need some gas. So the bear's not there anymore when they go get the car, I guess. No, the bear left. Oh, he put on the boots. He's like, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. These boots are made for walking. I'm walking out of here. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why the bear was in the cave because the desert was too hot. It was burning his paws. Damn right. <laughs> so he put the boots on and left. Boot, his little hat. <laughs> he got a little briefcase. And just, and he, took off. he left town. Sure did. <laughs> he wrote his buddy that Yellowstone and then he said or Jellystone and he's like I'm gonna come join you. Goes, like I heard they got a good picnic going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> he also hit up his cousin who constantly steals pots of honey. He says, hey, bro, I'm going to go to Jellystone Park. You want to come with you me? You got a shirt I could borrow? A red one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the bear was gone, and they get the car. But he mentions that we're going to need gas. And he's like, hey, dumbass, we don't got gas in 1885. <laughs> so it's like, in which... There's a second car there. Why not go get the gas from the other car? Or do you think... Doc... What second car? There's already a car stashed in the cave. The cave, the car that sent Doc back to 1885, that's he put that in the cave. 
Marty used that car in 1955 to go back in time. So that means there's currently two cars in that time frame. The one that Doc, <laughs> the one that Doc went in, and the one that Marty went. In. I wish confusion made a sound. <laughs> there's two cars in that current time frame. You know the car that they find in the cave? Uh-huh. That's the car that Doc went back in time in. <laughs> okay. All right. But it's it's full of rocks. No, well, he could just Because the bear took off in the other car. <laughs> he just left. Just left. No, well, that's that's the one thing. It, it made me question like why not just either get the gas just from that car it, just... or when they're you know when they're trying to put the bottle of like trying to pump and then something pops out. There's the scene where he's like oh this is what the bartender said is the strongest stuff so they're pouring that into the car and marty's pressing the gas and you think they should have filled the car with hot sauce instead of gas (laughs) well technically that's what they did well they're putting alcohol and it blows something out and that's when doc lifts it up he's like this is gonna take me over a week to fix and he tosses it he's like well if it broke why not just go get the the same part Oh, but then he can't... T- well, if it's in the back in time, they'll be all fine. I don't know. It's just weird that they never mentioned the other car. They could have gotten stuff from the other car, and they didn't. So, at that point, he tells them, Hey, in this letter, you meet someone. It's a girl. And you fall in love. And he's like... And then that's when the mayor comes. He's like, Hey, remember last time when you said you are going to go pick up this new school teacher? And he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then that's when he's like, Hey, her name's Claire. All right, well, if I don't pick her up, then I never fall in love and I don't meet her. Boom. Leave it at that. So they decide not to pick her up. He decides not to pick her up. Yeah. So in the future, the ravine is named after this teacher that fell in the ravine. Mm-hmm. Clayton Ravine. Yeah. But when Marty went to 1885, at that point in time, Clayton Ravine is still Clayton Ravine, right? Which means she died. Which means if she died, how did how was she his beloved Clara on the headstone? Well, that's what like confuses me about the whole like time travel back and forth. Unless it's all in, they're all in completely different timelines because they're jumping back and forth. Well, here's the thing: in the original 1985, Marty knows the story of Clara at that moment because he has not gone back in time yet. So when that moment. Before he so goes, he hasn't returned back to to nineteen. No, let's just go nineteen eighty five. It's the very beginning, nineteen eighty five. Okay. He hasn't gone back in time, so he knows the story yes. of Clayton Ravine. Yes. He understands that story. Okay. At that point, he goes through time, goes all in his ventures. Well, that memory of Clayton Ravine still exists in his head. He goes back in time. They change that past, just like in Frequency or the Butterfly Effect. It's gonna change for everybody else, but he's gonna have that memory now does he develop new memories i don't know in frequency when they change the past remember we yes. saw he gets both memories yes but it's the other memories more strange because it's like well that one i know but and just like the butterfly effect it was the same thing when he changes the past to the future or whatever he gets new memories stuff that he didn't have before right. so maybe that's what happens here with marty that's why it, for everybody else, when he goes back in time, everybody else is going to know that as Shonash Ravine. But for him, it's always going to be Clayton. But since, you know, we know the outcome of what happened, it's Eastwood Ravine. But, you know, so no matter what, it's always going to be it's Doc is going to meet her. And because it's like without Marty, 
he goes to the train station to pick her up. Right. With Marty there, they they ignore her and they go to the ravine and just to study like, can we use this track? They still happen to be. And they see their they see her, so they save the day. He falls in love, and they're like, oh, like love at first sight. They go back, you know, to the freaking, you know, it's like, you know, Mary Cheeseburger. She's wearing her purple dress and wears purple throughout the whole goddamn movie. Okay. So she's always in purple. So that's when they're like, all right, she shows up again. Just like Lorraine did in the first film where she comes and followed him home. She comes and shows up, you know, Clara with the telescope. And she's all just like sniffing him or whatever when she when he's all looking. It's like when you turn it this way, it's all fuzzy. But when you turn it the other way and then she's all like looking at him in his neck and all that, he's like, and that's when he turns to her, he's like, and he's like, it makes everything clear. And then they're just like looking at each other and he's like, <clears throat> he's like, oh yeah, I'll have this fixed. Why? For the fair. So they're going to go at the fair, right? Yeah. And you know, that's when they, they see the, the, the awesome moment of the clock tower induction where they're like counting down and five, four, three, two, he pulls the lever, the fireworks go off. At a weird timing, and then that's when the festival they take their picture. You know, do, you know the whole tannin shows up. We already mentioned that, and Marty saves them with the frisbee. Yes, it's his hand. Is it's... that when he gets challenged to the duel? Yeah, okay. because he goes, he goes, lighten up, jerk, and then they like looks at his gang, like what does that mean? And they're like, I don't know. It's like Marty. So they don't know what jerk means, but they know what dude means. Well, dude existed back when that word. Because but... Clint Eastwood would say it in every single movie. He'd be like, Hey, dude, are you looking at me? Do you feel lucky, dude? <laughs> so they're challenged to a duel, and they have that little joke where he's like, "We can't tomorrow. We're busy." Or it's like they're, they're robbing something. Yeah, they're robbing the Pine City stage, and he's like, "Oh no!" He's like, "He's like, what, what about Monday?" He's like, "No, oh, we're, we got free Monday. You can kill him on Monday." He's like, "All right, do you hear it, bro? We're gonna kill you on Monday." And then that's when Seamus comes in. He's like, well, "You should have walked away." Oh, I don't know. I can't do the. <laughs> Yeah. Then he mentions his his brother Martin McFly, remember? My brother Martin McFly. Yeah. He's like, Oh got a bowie knife stuck in his I can't do an Irish voice. You really can't. No, I can't. Super bad. And she's like and then Lorraine says something too, like, Mr. Martin which I hate that scene because the thing that bothered me about that scene is she's not looking at him, like because he's not there. They obviously added him later, and you know he's Seamus, but he's not really in the scene, so her eyes don't connect with him. So she's kind of looking down, but off, and it always bothered because me because she needs to know her place. <laughs> she can't make eye contact with other men. Huh? <laughs> it makes sense. I'm gonna stick to that. <laughs> oh man so after that you know they save doc doc and you know he goes he's like why'd you get to a door and he's like okay how come doc didn't change his name when he was in an alternate timeline because marty always changed his name yeah because doc is calvin klein clint eastwood doc why didn't change his doc is a jerk here's why doc is constantly breaks the rules all the time he does. He he's like tells Marty like you know you can't go interact. We can't mess. Falls in love. He gets all pissed off with them when he first buys the book, and obviously the book caused issues. But when he buys the book, and then what does he do? He falls in love with someone. He goes back in time and gets a job. 
Who knows if he took that job from another blacksmith, so that altered that person's life. Everybody knows him. He's involved in the town because he the probably ma- invented ice. Yeah, the mayor comes and visits him. You know, so he's obviously he's a prominent member of the society. Exactly. So he's messing with the timeline. Yet at one point, when he makes a comment about uh, Marty, where he's like, "Oh, you see, that's why you get in your accident in the future." He's like, "Wait, what? What accident? Oh, I, I I can't tell you." like why not you just build your beans to everyone in the bar and tell them cars are gonna exist <laughs> it's like it sucks like he 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 doesn't he won't break the rules for marty but he he breaks all the rules and then literally he's the, like a parent he's like do as i say not as i do yeah and because the following scene he's like you know what? i'm gonna stay but i'm gonna stay behind i'm gonna and then Do- and marty's like no you can't stay we gotta go back to the future and he talks him out of it but yeah that's why it's not it's not fair that he won't break that rule for marty so luckily marty changes his ways so he doesn't ca- crash into the rolls royce at the end because yeah. if he did forget it i have another question though yeah okay so in this movie he's no longer calling mcfly chicken he's calling him yellow why is yellow more offensive than chicken and i thought chicken was his trigger word like what kind of a snowflake is he that yellow gets him triggered too because it's the color of a chicken i mean i know chickens are white but in the cartoon sense chickens are yellow so that's why, I don't know. Like, like who, did people test out colors to see which one was the most offensive? He's like, what's the matter with you, boy? You feeling purple? <laughs> and they're like, no, that doesn't hit. He's like, let's try blue. Let's try blue. You feeling blue? Like, I'm pretty, feeling pretty blue. He's like, nah, that's not working either. All right, let's try, uh, try another color. Try brown. You feeling brown? Try the brown. <laughs> hey, he wears a yellow shirt. He does wear a yellow shirt. Boom. Maybe they're calling him Charlie Brown. No, the Charlie Brown didn't yeah, exist. Yeah, because he was totally around. <laughs> you never know. Mr. Charles Schultz. Schultz. I, I don't know. I really don't know why. Like, why is... I don't know. I was just curious why yellow is so offensive. Well, in cartoons... I mean, but he knows he's being called a coward. Why the yellow? I don't know. He's not... He could have just been called a chicken. But chicken wasn't a term then. So, I don't... I honestly don't know. Though. Why is yellow such a coward term? Why is yellow the coward of, of, of colors? If you're colorblind, that's a really hard color to see. So Really? I've, I've never heard a, a colorblind person say that yellow is hard for them to see. I knew, heard... I knew a colorblind person. My old fourth grade teacher, he was colorblind. He couldn't see yellow? Yeah. I, I pinky promise. He could not see yellow. So would you bring banana- <laughs> bananas to <laughs> and he couldn't see them like they were invisible. So you just throw yellow shit at him. He's like, what the? Every day he's being hit by stuff. And I don't know what's going on. We're like, what? No, I don't know. No, it, there is this like uh, eye chart book and this book that we had in class. And it was like to test your eyesight and stuff for some reason. And then there was one and we asked him like, oh, he's like, I can't see that. We're like, really? And you could see like the yellow within. I don't know. He was colorblind. It's not. It's, I I don't know how colorblind works. How did he know what if a banana was ripe? He can't see. <laughs> or did he have to wait till they turned black? Like, mm, people eat it now. <laughs> he just knew that when it was. He he could see when it was green. And <laughs> the moment it was no longer green, he knew it's he ready. was. <laughs> <laughs> it was yellow, so you can see it. 
That's how he ate bananas. <laughs> oh man, that's that's why he never went to McDonald's because he couldn't see the arches. So he'd be like, "Oh, what's that?" Stupid monkey. Give me some water, please. Oh, I drank it all. Damn it. Okay, so, um, Doc does end up breaking Clara's heart because he has to go. Well, back. before that. Okay, what happens before that? They're out in like the the fields by her house, looking up at the stars. He falls in love with her, and then, you know, Marty wakes up the next morning and sees Doc is missing. And then that's what he's like. He literally says, I hope you know what you're doing, Doc. And Doc is coming with these flowers, and he's sniffing them. Did he get laid? What? Do you think Doc got laid that night? He didn't didn't come home. He was so happy, and he kept sniffing the flower. He didn't come home. Do you think he stayed the night with Miss Claire and he got laid? And now I feel like I need to rewatch the movie because I feel like I didn't catch that. I thought he wasn't there because he went to Claire's that night and told her he had to go to the future. And no, she no, told no. Him this was before. I don't. The, this is confusing me. No. After the fair, the festival, mm-hmm. the next scene, they're out on a wagon looking up at the stars with their telescope. And that's when they start talking about, oh, when I was a little boy, I read. You know, journey to the center of the earth or whatever. No, and then she's like, "How could you read that? That book was published ten years ago." He's no, like, she said, "Wait, you're a child." It's like it was ten years ago. It was like, ah, yes. Yeah. See that scene. Well, then the following scene, Marty wakes up. He's not there. He shows up and he's sniffing this flower. Or he's all in love. No, if if they had just slept together, he'd been sniffing his fingers. Not his Butterscotch? No, that's a, that's a it's a, it's like a callback to a film from like the nineties. <laughs> oh man. Well, anyways, so yeah, so <laughs> at that point, this is where I I kind of get confused. Oh yeah, that's when you know the Marty he sees them in the morning. They get in a fight. They look at the tombstone. Look at the photo. Oh, that's when like the weird uh freaking Undertaker. Remember, he's measuring him. Yes. It's like, would you like a suit, Mister McFly? And then that's when he measures him again. It's like, dude, I don't want a suit. It's like, this isn't a suit. This is for your coffin. And he's like, what coffin? And then that's when he tells him that little thing. But then that's when they decide we need to go back in time. They go. They 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 devise the plan. They build the little train set, so on and so forth. And that's when they're putting on the track. This is where that scene leads up to. That's where, you know, because when he tells them about, I can't tell you about your future, the following scene, they're putting the, the, the DeLorean on the tracks. And then that's when he's like, I'm going to stay behind. He's like, you can't stay behind. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you need to go back. He's like, he's like, you're the one that's always saying you shouldn't mess with the past, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And that's when he tells them, well, well, you know what, just bring her then. And then he's like, no, no, no. You it's like, oh, look, Bill and Ted did it, and it worked out great. Yeah, they did. 
Rufus brought both of the princesses. I know. And they married, and then they have kids, because that's like what Like, if the... he brings Clara back to the future, she could play drums and dock <laughs> the guitar in Marty's band. <laughs> they'll, be the, they'll be called the power of love. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it could be... Ah, oh, that'd be a cool band. What would it be called? The Time Machine. <laughs> that was quick. So yeah, so the Time Machine, they go on tour. Who's their opening band? Wild Stallions. Ah, oh, that's a good one. I was wondering, am I she going to say it? So yeah, so that's when he goes and breaks the, her heart. Yes. He's like, look, I know we got down and dirty last night, but I can't see you anymore. Because that's why, like... If they did, you know, do the, the dirty the dirty deed, as they say, you know, they consummated, and and then now he's telling her, I can't see you anymore. She's probably like, what the, really, like all mad, and that's why, like, he leaves the little flowers on the on the little thing, and she walks away, and especially because she knows Jules Verne, and you the know, whole point of flowers is because people stunk back then, so they would, you know, pin little dry flowers and stuff like potpourri, make themselves smell better. Oh, really? sure oh, i didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there they go back and i uh, know um that's when he meets up with marty and then they're like all right it's the day of boom they they need to get this train going their whole plan and they that th- this is actually one of my favorite scenes because as they go they get the train he's like is this a robbery he's like no it's a it's a science experiment they, they... Okay, but before all of that happens, they he does have his duel with Tannen. No. You just completely oh, skipped shit. that out. I did, huh? Like, that just didn't happen in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So... That night, oh, after he breaks Claire's oh, heart... Shit. Damn, you corrected me. Marty is sleeping out there with the horse, and, and that's when Doc goes into town and reveals everything about the future to a... A, a saloon full of drunks and flusies that are walking around in their chones. And then a guy with the barbed wire. Yes, Mr. Barbed Wire. Yeah. He didn't buy any either. <laughs> Con man. And he's like telling him that cars are going to exist in the future. It's like, was Henry Ford, his grandpa, one of those people that are sitting in that room, they revealed that cars are going to exist right. in the future? And then he tells them that, you know, people, he's like, they run, but they run for fun. Mm-hmm. It's recreational. He's like, run for fun. I was trying to do that. Run for fun. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do that voice either. I can do it, but I have to be loud, and I don't want to be too loud. Make Wake up the Milo. Well, the guy was like, run at the Lester's Balsam Jamboree. Yeah, we learned that he does the voice of that character. Butt Ram. Yep. Pat, is, Pat Butt Ram. If, you, if you're like a famous voice actor... Wouldn't you want your name to be more dignified than Butt Ram? Well, I've watched some videos about him, and whenever they pronounce his name, his last name, it's it's not said Butt Ram. It's said a certain way. It's kind of like... Butt Ram? <laughs> Is that better? I think so. I think it's Butt Ram or something like that. Butt Ram. I don't know, love. <laughs> so at that point, Marty runs to the to the bar, and he sees him there. And it's funny because the bartender at first doesn't want to give him whiskey. He's like, do you remember what happened on the 4th of July? In which oh, he gets killed in September. Uh-huh. So 
So then that means he's been there for quite a while. Like if he's a prominent member and the mayor knows yeah. him, yeah, he's been there for a while. So, and then the Clara thing only happened within a week. Uh huh. So you're telling me at no point he found love with anybody else with Claire? Did you see any other ladies in that town? No, I'm just saying. What if he did? He nah. He he was a man of science. He wasn't about the ladies. Doc Brown was a like man. He of... fell in love with her because she blinded him with science. <laughs> science. <laughs> so, yes, he was sad, and then you know the bartender's like, "I ain't your papa." He pours them. And yeah, the whole time he's talking, blah, 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 blah. The next day, Marty's like. And he revealed all of that sober because Marty's like, how many of those he had? He's like, that's the same one. Yeah, because he he doesn't realize he drinks it. And even the bartender's like, damn it, no. Drinks it, passes out. We're like, damn it. So that's when they're trying to wake him up. And then that's when he's like, you got any coffee? He's like, give me some coffee, black. And then he's like, let's make some wake up juice, Joey. They get all that hot sauce and this and that. The diarrhea juice. Yeah. And then he, he they put the little funnel in his mouth and he drinks. Like they only put the funnel like barely at the edge of his mouth. Why wasn't it pouring out the sides? I mean, have you ever tried giving Milo medicine? If you don't shove that thing like right between his cheek and the and like the his back teeth like you would a dog, that it's all coming out forward. Mm-hmm. It's movie magic. Sure. So he wakes up. But it's only a reflex. So it's another 10 minutes. So they're always cutting it close, the timing. And then that's when freaking Buford shows up and he forf, you know, Marty yeah, forfeits. He's like, it's, he's like, it's, it's like uh, and Marty tells him, like, it's not eight yet. He's like, it is not my time. Yeah. <clears throat> so he gives him a time frame. He's like, I'm going to count to 10. You know, he does forfeit. He's like, forfeit. For-. And he looks at that his means buddy you again. win without shooting. Yeah. It's like, you can't do that. Yeah, and then that's when he's like, you don't come out of your yellow. And then that's when he's like, hey, I got 20, do- 20 gold on you that you win. Don't let me down. He's like, yeah, well, it's I, like got- I got 30 to you lose, so don't let me down. <laughs> I know. And then that's when he's like, he's like, he's like, you better head out there. He's like, or what? Or what? He's like, oh, you'll be a coward. He's like, you'll be branded one for the rest of your days. And he's like, people will know that Clint Eastwood is the biggest yellow belly of all time or whatever. Imagine what Westerns, they would have like been today if Clint Eastwood was a coward's name right because that that, that's the funny part that they're all making at Clint Eastwood and then that's when he's like Marty at that point finally is like I don't care what any of you guys think he's like he's an asshole he's like I don't care what you think I don't care what anybody thinks and then boom Doc wakes up Mm -hmm. and then he goes do you guys have a back door he's like yeah it's in the back (laughs) and then so they end up catching Doc and he has the ultimatum it's you either come out and duel or they're gonna shoot Doc and he learned from part two was when you we saw that scene from I think it's I don't know what movie it is but it's with Clean Eastwood where he has the the from the stove the yeah like so he like uses that same technique lid. he goes out there steps out there and he's like I thought we could uh settle this like man he's like you thought wrong dude and he shoots him bah! and then that's when he walks over like <laughs> thank you thank you. <laughs> And then that's when he kicks his gun. There was no tumbleweeds in this in this movie. The other day when I was on the freeway driving, a freaking tumbleweed rolled onto the road. I was like, <laughs> I ran it over. I was scared. I was like, what's going to happen if I hit it? I don't know. You're going to hurt Fievel really bad. <laughs> Why Fievel? 
Because he gets stuck in a tumbleweed. Oh, he does? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Maybe I did kill five of You're a bad man. Five of Maskowitz. So, yeah. So, Marty wins the duel because he beats the crap out of him, of Tannen. He fights dirty. Yes. And he falls into manure. Mm-hmm. And then that's when goes, I hate manure. And then the cops come and then they're like, you're on the wrist for robbing the passing the state. Yeah. You know, it's not Strickland because there's a deleted scene where right before he shows up in the town, Strickland stops him. You've probably never seen this scene, but Strickland and his son stop him. And The little boy? Yeah. Oh. They're, they're right there. And then they he pulls out a gun. And then that's when he's like, put your guns down. He's like, if you don't want your pop to die, blah, blah, blah. So they put their guns down. And then he's like, all right. He's like, you either let me go or I'll kill you right now or whatever. So they put the guns down. So they walk away. Biff turns, points the gun at Strickland's back. And he, he's like, I lied. And shoots him. And Ooh. he falls. And then his kid's like, Pop, no. And he's like, remember the word, discipline. And he goes, I will, Pop. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. But it was dark. It, that scene was considered really dark. So they removed it. End of that part. <clears throat> Anyways. So that's why you don't see Strickland arrest them. So he's actually being arrested for the murder of Strickland. And then that's when they get away. They go to the train. Clara is all sad on the train. And then Mr. Barbed Wire is like, I thought, old man, he said that I was sad for... Well, he doesn't sound like that. But he was sad for the lady. She turns around like... I've never seen a guy, a guy so heartbroken. Yeah. And she's like, what? what did he have puppy, puppy dog? Puppy dog eyes. Yeah. And L- long white hair and smelly fingers. <laughs> and he's like, you know him. <laughs> And that's when she pulls on the cord and then... Like, is it just like a, a where trains, like, freaking buses back there? Like, oh, this must stop. Hold on. <laughs> let me run into the... Let me run into the, 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 the general store real quick. I'll catch you at the next stop. And then Gingling <clears throat> stops the train. She rides after them. She goes in the, 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 the shed... I mean, the barn and sees Time Machine. And then she goes, he was telling the truth. That made her believe the truth right then and there. So when she goes, they get on the train. And Marty and Doc, they're riding the train. They get in the DeLorean. Marty's in the DeLorean while Doc puts all those yarn that make the the, the thing go faster. It looked like one of those fire starter logs. Yes. It's basically, that's what it is. It's his version of it. That's what he said. So, and they, they each conduct a different amount of heat. Clara catches up, but the moment she grabs on, one the first one goes off, and the speed kicks up. So she yes. like swings on it. She gets in there while Doc moves to the, almost in the DeLorean, and she starts freaking the choo choo. And he's like, "What the hell?" Turns around, she's like, "I am it. I love you." And he's like, "Come on, let's go." And she tries to get close. The thing explodes where she falls, and he has to save her. The thing is, falling or no falling. I don't think they would ever made it to the car because the timing just doesn't work out because by the time it's going to explode, he's like, Doc, we're at 70. Like, I don't think they would have made it regardless. So the hoverboard somehow magically floats them forward instead of going back because it just hovers. Because when he when he when he when Marty lets the hoverboard, Doc catches it with his foot. He floats to Clara gets her and they float away into like the distance i don't know how they float forward my my thing was that when they are hovering for a moment 
they're hovering at the same speed as the DeLorean. I did not realize hoverboards could travel at 75 miles per hour. That seems really dangerous and irresponsible. Well, that's the thing. The hoverboard is just, it needs to be pushed or, or whatever. If a train is moving like that, that means when he let the hoverboard go, the hoverboard went back, correct? Yes. Okay. So the moment Doc lets go of the train, wouldn't they just go back? I mean, they should have. Instead, they they're, go like this. They like, go forward and they're traveling at the same speed. Right? They're like, like super fast. Yeah. So then Marty closes the door and he travels back by himself. Yes. And then he lands in the future. And, and a, he's like stuck in a stupid daze. Like clearly you could hear the railroad, the, the like freaking the, the, those like. Well, those. The train alarm. Those went down because of him. No, they didn't. Okay. Well, they went down because a train was coming. Maybe for both. No. Okay. No, it was for, for him. It was for the train. Yes, the train came, but the joke of that scene is that the things go down for him. Because when Doc comes, they go down again, remember? Because it's a train. <laughs> I guess so. So, yeah, so the train crash finally destroys the DeLorean. Just like Doc wanted. Yep. He goes, gets Jennifer. They come back. Uh, and it's not Elizabeth's shoe. I mean, it is Elizabeth's shoe. It's not the hot one from part one. Yeah. And then they start... When he wakes her up, they make out. Which is so gross because we know, confirmed, he hasn't brushed his teeth for at least five days. Yeah. And... If he hasn't brushed his teeth for five days, we never see him shower. He wears the same clothes over and over again. He must have smelled like a bum. Like, just really nasty, like, horse and sweat and butt rim. And <laughs> it's like, she just had no problem with it. No, because she wouldn't love. Cause she, it's the power of love. That's I've never what? experienced that power. <laughs> That's the song. The Huey Lewis song. Huey so, Lewis. Yeah. So they go back and they... Go examine in which there ain't no cops there. Train never stopped, nothing. And they're like, oh, and then gling, 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 gling. They go down again and boom, Doc shows up. And these terrible smoke effects are all around the train. It looks like you did these effects. Those effects look amazing. All right? They don't. Yes, they do. They, they look, look like a high schooler did it. No, they look amazing. They don't. And then that's when it's Clara and Doc and Doc decides to introduce them to his kids. To his ugly kids. His two kids, Jules and Vern, in which the shorter one, I feel like they got an adult playing a kid. They, you, like he looked like he was like a troll. They're not cute kids. They're not. And then he touches himself in his junk. Remember I showed you that? Yes. <laughs> that weird little kid. Yeah. <laughs> he does the little hand movement and then he just touches, he points to his junk. I was like, I had to show her that scene. So then, yeah, so he gives them the, the picture and then, oh, well, actually, before that, they do the needles scene where needles shows up. Remember? Who the hell is needles? Needles is Flea. Oh, right. And he wants to race him. They And he has stupid hair, just like uh, Christopher Lloyd did in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mr. Doc Brown. And needles is there. And his gang is is actually Biff's Western gang. Yeah. Buford's gang. Yeah. So they're in the car. He decides to reverse, doesn't hit the Rolls Royce, and then that's when What's-Her-Name pulls out the paper, the facts, from mm -hmm. part two, and it says, you're fired, erased. Erase. So that means they're going to have a nice life, because he's never going to have that job. 
that's when they go to Doc, and then she's like, well, what about this paper? Why did he race? He's like, because your future hasn't been written, and, you know, whatever you make of it. So then that means there is no reason for them to ever travel to the future to, to work his kid, like, to take care of his kids, because it, never, it hasn't been written. Like, that's why I never understood that part when he, that conversation you know well that's why they said it in part three like we're not making another one we don't have to respond to these <laughs> yeah let's just say random shit and then that's when the train goes up it does its cool loop why does it have to make a u-turn to go forward because they're what... that makes no sense okay now on Logic... whenever i leave someone's house i'm like okay bye everybody do a u-turn come back and then go to the direction i need to leave it the reason being is what they're doing look Logically, yes, it makes no goddamn sense. They could literally just go straight, go Lift up. Lift and go. Yeah, whoosh, and then, yeah. But what they were doing is they were Wasting copying time. the... <laughs> they were copying the end of part one because that's what he does in the DeLorean. He lifts it up, he goes back, and then it returns and hits the... the whoosh, goes through the, the camera, you know, and then it ends. So they were just copying that. So they were ending the third film, the whole trilogy, trilogy the way they ended the first okay. film. And then that's it. I also want to point out, how is it that, um, like, Doc doesn't care about Copernicus? Because he has Einstein in that train. So he went back for Einstein. Yeah. He did not go back for Copernicus. Yeah, that's messed up. But if he went back for Copernicus, wouldn't he have to tell his other version of Doc, be like, hey, I'm going to take your dog. His 50 self went to western time abandoning his dog who was watching copernicus while he was in the old west nobody but yet he went back to the 80s where he's no and took einstein but then never went back for copernicus he could have two dogs if he could have two ugly kids he could have two dogs no 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 no, no. his 50s the one that w that's in the train at the end that's not the 1950s doc that's the 1985 doc when they went back in time, he had Einstein with him. So Einstein went in time with them. So he has the Hill Valley Mall? No. The Hill Valley Mall dog? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It, but it's the... All right, here's what happened. Okay, okay. I think I got you. The 1955 Marty, when he went back, he went alone. He didn't take Doc with him. So yeah. Doc was still with Copernicus. Yeah, well, technically, I, yeah, Einstein. Because no. what? No, I got it now. Okay. I got it now. I got it. Okay. Got it. All right. She she understands. I got it. All right. So you have to go forward, make a U-turn, and then come back. <laughs> so it. yeah. And then that's the movie, ladies and gentlemen. So that's our discussion of Back to the Future 3. Uh, for those of you, you know, just had, uh, if you've never seen the film, check it out. But chances are you've probably seen it. But now... I think it's time that I introduce my special guests to the podcast. One of them is a returning guest. The other one I met through this amazing project. And that's how we all know each other is in this project that I was actually lucky to be a part of. Uh, I There's this website called Geek Tyrant that I visit. And I saw that they posted this article about being a part of making a homemade version, a quarantine edition of Back to the Future 2. And I'm like, what is this? At that point... When I saw who was in charge of that project, I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, back between episode 70 and 71 of 88, 
we had him come on and talk about a documentary that he was working on, The Last Blockbuster. So I got a part of it. And that's how I started, you know, in this Facebook group. We also, you know, started talking, asking questions. So I met these guys through this amazing project. And we're going to get into it. But first, before anything, obviously, we got to bring in these two. So very first, I'm going to bring in Taylor, past guest host. He's right here with me right now. So say hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. And I can see in the background, your Back to the Future stuff. <laughs> That's freaking awesome, man. And then also, too, the other person that I'm about to introduce did something special where he did this homemade version. A lot of people were doing, if you saw, there was like Pirates of the Caribbean, Indiana Jones. They were doing homemade versions of Rise. Well, to, to connect everything together to make this a full-on Back to the Future episode, he did a homemade version of Back to the Future ride that was at both Universal Studios, Hollywood, Florida, and I believe... Japan. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin, introduce yourself, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I'm glad you guys were on. Uh, we, I brought up Project 88. So for those of the people who don't know, uh, Taylor, can you fill us in on, on what was Project 88? Yeah, it was just this idea that I had about something that a bunch of creative people could do given the restrictions of the quarantine and like physical distancing and everything people were doing um, to do something where everybody could do a little part and then we put it all together and make something big. And um, people had done that before, basically remaking movies and splitting them into little parts. I've seen uh, Star Wars was done like that. I think there's Shrek and RoboCop. Yeah, done like that. Um, so I wanted to do Back to the Future, but my favorite Back to the Future movie is part two, just because of all the craziness in it. <laughs> yeah. So we basically just took from a bunch of different ideas. And then I thought, you know, doing it during quarantine, you're going to get way more creative with it because everybody's so limited yeah. on what they have access to. You can't just get a bunch of actors to recreate the scene. You have to, you know, do it creatively and get everybody to film separate parts or you know, somebody used uh, potatoes or bananas to recreate a scene. I did mine out of cardboard. Yeah, so that was amazing. It kind of, it seemed like a no-brainer. Like I literally had the idea, and three hours later, had the website up with the scene split up for people to claim, and uh, came together in a couple of weeks. And now we have a full feature movie of a fan recreated Back to the Future Part Two that was done during this pandemic, that you know will live on forever. <laughs> From the day you posted, how fast was it for the, the, the scenes to get claimed? Yeah, they were all claimed within 48 hours. Really? Yeah, but because people, you know, this was really early in the quarantine times and some people, you know, had family members get sick or, you know, had to go to work when they didn't think they were going to have to work. So it took another week to actually get everything a sign because after a few days some people would drop out and yeah say, oh, I, I actually can't do it but they were all claimed in 48 hours and then by the end of a week later they were all with the people who were going to finally finish them after a couple of handoffs and i originally wasn't going to do one myself but when it came close to the deadline and there were a couple of scenes missing i picked one up yeah i got i got my scene my scene was a straggler where that somebody um wasn't able to do it and i had joined way too late and yeah. I was like, I'm not, I guess I'm not doing this. And I was happy to watch it. And then all of a sudden, um, I think, I, yeah, somebody couldn't do it. And I said, oh, I can do it. And then they always said, sign up. And then like a day later, I got my scene. 
Kevin, you just happen. How, how did you first actually see this? You joined the waiting list, but where did you happen to catch this uh, project? Like, how did you see it? Somebody, a friend of mine who my back, a back to the future friend of mine uh, just added me to the group. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Maybe you can do it too. And when I joined, it was, it was all the scenes were taken. Uh, and I just thought, okay, they're taken. Like that's, you know, uh, I came too late. But no, it was just literally a friend of mine. And yeah, the thing is that I am, um, it was very impressive because I'm part of my whole thing. I'm a big fan. I've been a fan for 30 years and I love doing, going to events, doing events, organizing fans. Like I like the idea of fans as a community. And it was kind of like interesting that this thing that is pretty big for, for Back Future kind of happened. Yeah. And, and like a lot of us didn't know about it. So we were like, oh, whoa, how did we this it's it's a testament to Taylor he got it all together and and uh and a lot of us were like I think I think ultimately some people after the first week there are some slots that were open mm -hmm. and I think in our little uh fan group I added Taylor to that and I think he found some people to take over there um oh that's cool but yeah it was really impressive that it was like so popular and and people were already working on it before we even knew about it yeah, it was it was it was like crazy because when I when I jumped on a lot of like, you know, the main popular like I really wanted to do the the Biff scene in the garage with <laughs> old Biff and young Biff. That's yeah. the one I really wanted. But that was taken. So I was like, all right. So I'm like scrolling through. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost late to the game because a lot of them have already been filled up. But then I saw the bonus scene and I have been like, because of like, I'm like, I want to shoot something with like, with my kids, do a, a video and stuff like that. So I signed up for it. So like, I remember my girlfriend, she, she got upset. She's like, why, why did you, he's like, there's a deadline. We got to do this. I'm like, he's like, all right. You know, but it's like, in the end, like, we were just like, so happy. Like, I don't know how many times we watched our scenes over. Cause it's like, we have this captured memory of our kids acting mm -hmm. In a, in a film like I come out for like a little bit part but like I don't even care about myself in it it's just seeing my kids acting out Marty and Doc and Biff like it's just it's it's for me it, it, it was awesome being a part of this and then seeing everybody else it's just cool seeing kids out there families or just trying to figure out like I'm gonna use bananas and you're like <laughs> what the hell like it, it, it's it was an amazing experience but having like all these people are always going to have this. They're always going to have this because we're always going to look back to this memory of like, man, we, you know, there's this pandemic going on and so on. And then for, for me, I'm always going to remember, I'm, I made like a little short, like I did the, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the teaser trailer to the back to the future three. So I didn't even do anything of the future. I did the oh, old West, you know, so I, I was in charge. Oh, wait, what happened? You did a great job with the old West. Oh. Part. That was <laughs> really cool. Um, I was thank blown you. away because you had a lot more to deal with than most people. Mm -hmm. You did the whole trailer, which is like 20 different little scenes. Yeah. So that was super impressive. Yeah. But like to your point, that was part of the reason to do this thing is to have something positive in this time. Like mm -hmm. everybody's going to remember the bad stuff. And I wanted to have something that we could all remember that was actually a good thing. You know, yeah. this is something in 10 years we can look back and go, yeah, 2020 sucked. And there was a lot of bad stuff going on. But remember that Back to the Future thing we did? That was pretty fun. <laughs> That's kind I of feel, the goal. I feel like the um, if this had happened any other time, if some because I've seen these done before. I've seen people yeah. doing, like, you know, they cut up the movie and they remake them. And if this had been done any other time, I, maybe I wouldn't have done it because I would have felt the pressure to, like, make it really, really good, you know? Uh, but because we were in quarantine, it felt like this was an exercise to just be like, do it as best as you can. 
with yeah. whatever resources you can and it could be a potato yeah but like for for your scene we got to talk about like because you're that was the one thing you originally started posting everyone was doing teasers like hey this is my scene this is that and you had cameos special cameos yeah. in yours so you gotta you gotta tell the audience about that so, so i don't so i think i i don't know what happened but i looked out with the scene that i got because when I first got it, I was like, oh, okay. My scene is the one where Marty, Marty 2 uh, leaves the stage and, and, uh, and runs down the stairs and Marty 1 comes down and sees Lorraine and Marty 2 sees Biff. And I thought, okay, whatever. It's like a whatever scene. Um, but it, so, so like I mentioned, I, do, I go to and I do events for Back to the Future. So over the years, I have met and befriended some of the cast and some of the crew. Um, now some, some of the folks are, you know, I, there are people that I know and some of them are people that I consider friends now that I can watch the movie and be like, oh, that's my friend. And two of those people happen to be Jeffrey Wiseman who played George McFly in part two and three and Harry Waters Jr. who played uh, Marvin Berry in part one and two. Um, so I like literally, I knew, I knew Jeffrey would be down for it. He loves doing all that sort of stuff. I think he, he had even talked to, to Taylor about it beforehand. So I reached out to him and I said, you know, my scene has technically doesn't have George in it in the movie, but George is technically standing there in the universe. Do you want to be in this? And he's like, yeah, he was into it. And then when he was into it, I then contacted Harry and Harry was, Harry's a professor and he, I thought he was going to be too busy and stuff. And I had filmed it in a way that I could not include him and it'd be fine, but he came in at the end. So, so yeah, we had, um, when Marty comes down the stairs and he sees Lorraine, we had, Jeffrey's wife play Lorraine and then Jeffrey was next to her just doing like his weird George McFly thing and then uh, <laughs> on the stage we had when Marty hands out or the guitar um I just had <laughs> I had Harry I said Harry like this is gonna be really simple just film yourself have somebody film you and it could be anything in your hand like grabbing a broom it could be anything it doesn't have to be a guitar just like, don't worry about it. Just, just, you know, I knew he was going to, I figured he was going to put on his costume because he does events in his costume. And then he sent me the video and it was him with a tiny little guitar. <laughs> and it was the funniest because I was already using the Chiquita, which is a tiny guitar that Marty uses at the beginning of the movie. So it's already a tiny guitar. And then, so she hands off the guitar and then Harry has a tinier guitar. Um, <laughs> and it just felt like I, it was neat to have those cameos because the thing about the, these guys and a lot of the, the cast and crew that do events is that they are fans of the movies too. You know, they like Jeffrey has organized fan events and Harry, like Harry loves meeting people. So, so I knew that they, they wanted to be part of this. So for me, it wasn't like, let me include like some people from the movie. For me, it was like, let me include my friends who also just happened to have actually played these <laughs> roles in the movie. I know we, there's been a lot of news articles. We recently just saw something you posted today. So tell us all about that. Yeah, there's been a ton of press on it, which is a lot of fun because I think it gets more people to watch it and see the fun thing we all did. Um, and that's been all over the world. Most of the articles are in languages that I can't read. So I hope <laughs> they're good. Google Translate, sometimes they don't come through. So I don't really know. But uh, about a week ago, I got a message from somebody um, at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences asking if they could use some of our footage for something they were putting together. And today they launched this really nice, I, th I thought it was almost like moving tribute to movies and how movies are helping people through this time that we're all in. And I, I couldn't agree more. 
you know, they're showing people having movie nights at home and like people like Taika Waititi is hosting viewing parties of his movies and the cast of That Thing You Do did one. And I, I went to all of those things. Like I'm huge. And there was a Back to the Future reunion last week that was also huge, which they didn't include. They chose to include our thing instead, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, they reached out and they said, we thought it was really cool what you guys did. And it's totally in the spirit of what we're trying to say. Can we include your footage in this thing? And I was so excited. I was like, this is the closest we'll ever get to an Academy Award, you know? Yeah. People who do the Oscars and they're recognizing <laughs> this movie that we made together. Yeah, that's freaking quarantine. cool. Man. So we all get Oscars, but we have to make them ourselves out of tinfoil or something. <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how it should be. Based on how we made this movie, we should exactly. make our own little like Oscars. If you want to check it out, uh, it's under the YouTube page, Project 88. And you mm-hmm. can see the whole film there. Uh, watch it there. And then there's also uh, comparison shots. So you could see people's scenes compared to the uh, original scene so you could watch it back like right there back to back and there's also some behind the scenes stuff so it, you know if you want to check this out visit project 88 you know back to the future 2 and also the trailer to back to the future 3 but with back to the future 2 something happened recently that mm-hmm. kevin made you know pointed out to us that like i went i was shocked i was like what you know <laughs> so Back to the Future 2, something happened with Netflix. So tell us about it, uh, Kevin. So, um, yeah, so there's somebody else made a different version of part two. No, on, on Netflix, so so Back to the Future 3 was on Netflix. But Netflix, come, you know, movies come and go. For some reason, part one and two weren't on there. Uh, but on May 1st, they added them back on. Mm-hmm. And then somebody noticed, somebody that I follow on Twitter noticed and commented that in the Netflix version of part two, the ooh la scene, when Marty finds the, he opens up the almanac, but it's the ooh la He says, ooh-la-la, ooh-la-la, la But in the version of Netflix, he just says it once. And there's like a weird cut. And <laughs> yeah. uh, this person was just like, yeah, this is a weird thing. And I went and I checked it out and it was, it was weird. And I said, oh, let me, you know, like it's, it's somebody, it's some weird edit or some wrong version. And so I made a video comparing it and I thought I was just gonna share it on social media. But then um, I thought, I remember that I, I, um, I'm in contact with Bob Gale, the writer and producer of Back to the Future. And I, I don't, I try not to bother him with stuff, um, but I thought this was important because I know that Bob is very particular about the way the films are presented. Yeah. Uh, in 2002, when the DVDs were released, um, the framing on part two was off. Like the matting was off. It was too high or yeah, it was too high. And Bob made a big deal and he had Universal remake the discs and mail them to people. Anyways, so he gets, he's really passionate about that. So I thought if Bob knew about this, he wouldn't be happy. So I just emailed Bob and I said, you know, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm, you might know about this already. This might be an approved thing, but here you go. And he wrote me back and he said, um, this is not approved. This is not a TV edit. This is not anything that I've ever seen. Uh, I think that the best part is his email said, uh, Zemeckis is pissed. So I like that oh. something I said pissed off Robert Zemeckis, even though it wasn't something I did. Holy crap, um, man. And, uh, and, but he said, we're going to fix it. He said, we're going to, Universal sent the wrong copy. We don't know why this version exists, but we're going to fix it. And this was 10 days ago. Uh, so I, I still put it on, on, on Twitter, but in Twitter, I said, I sent this to somebody who can make this better and they're going to fix it and whatever. And then nobody really noticed. Like I have no following on Twitter. 
And then a couple of days ago, uh, like May 18th or something, people started noticing and there was all these tweets and all these articles about like, oh my God, Bike Street 2 has the wrong thing. And I thought, oh no, like I was hoping that it would get fixed before people started noticing it. <laughs> but then today an article came out with a Hollywood reporter where Bob Gale talked about how like it's been replaced on, on Netflix and how, and the reason why it was like a weird edit for some other territory. Uh, and then in it, he mentions like a, a fan, a sharp uh, uh, eagle-eyed fan sent it to me. And I decided, you know, <laughs> I was like, great. Like I was mentioning the Hollywood Reporter, which was neat. And since he talked about it, I felt up to this point, I didn't feel comfortable telling people that's who I had spoken to. So I kept saying yeah. somebody. Um, but yeah, so Bob Gale came in again and he fixed it. So I've always been very happy with Bob Gale because he's a very good steward of the franchise. He, he listens to fans. He's the one that was responsible for the Time Machine restoration, which was done by fans. He made Universal hand the car over to fans and the fans restored the A car. So, uh, so it's really Bob Gale. <laughs> I just yeah. uh, let him know, you know? Yeah. Like I, I know, um, yeah, he's very much, he's particular he's about like how the way things are presented. Yeah. It's funny because knowing that I was going to do this podcast with you, uh, I was, I was thinking about talking about this, but it, since it hadn't come out, I, I was like, I shouldn't talk about this because you know, it's private conversation with me and Bob and I don't want to say anything. And then yeah. this morning that article came out and that's why I was like, we can talk about it. <laughs> like so, it's it's safe now. <laughs> it's safe to talk about it. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's funny because um, even though I didn't notice the edit, it was somebody else uh, on Twitter that I follow who noticed it. Um, I, that's a, part of my work that I do. My day job is is I work in in the post production pipeline where various uh, versions of movies are made for different territories. So I see stuff like that all the time. But we have those are on purpose. So yeah. apparently, according to Bob in the article, this version that had the missing Lula Law cover was for one territory somewhere overseas that huh, the I wonder where. didn't want to have that magazine cover. And, uh, but it makes sense. It's just that Universal sent, instead of, Universal sent that copy to Netflix instead of sending the normal copy. But, but, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad it's fixed, you know, with Back to the Future and Universal. So it's perfect because that gives us into the perfect segue of, um, you know, Back to the Future the Ride. Taylor, have you ever been on Back to the Future the Ride? I have not. The first time I was ever at Universal Studios was uh, two and a half months ago now, right before quarantine. Uh, <laughs> the ride's been gone for a while. So the only way I've experienced it was on YouTube videos of the ride. Yeah. So what I saw, uh, Kevin's video, I was like, that's awesome, but I don't have that experience to connect to. I'm just... The only way I know the ride is from those videos. Have you, Taylor, have you ever been on the Simpsons ride? Yeah. Yeah. That was so the first one we went on. It's the yeah. same mechanism, right? Yeah. It's the same building, same vehicle, and gotcha. not the same movements, but the same idea. But okay. uh, yeah, it's that, just the ride. <laughs> it's just that and Back to the Future, you know? But. Well, when you're in line, in which anytime I've gone to Universal uh, now, like the, it, the, the line, you you're not really out waiting so you kind of go through so you miss this cool little scene and they make a reference to back to the future the ride as to why it no longer exists and why it's the like that crusty ride because i guess he's he's receiving a, a donation so he could use that money to keep the 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 facilities open and then that's when like i guess crusty hits the the guy who who was gonna about to give him the check no the and, it, it's well, uh, what the, is the professor, Professor Frank from The Simpsons, yeah. finds out that the institute is going to close. So he goes back in time to save it. 
but when he goes back <laughs> in time, he runs over the guy that was about to give Doc a loan. Yeah. And Doc now can't afford, and then so he has to sell the Institute to Krusty. Yeah, and there you go. But but they got Chris Lloyd to do the voice. Yes. Doc. So it's you know it's something <laughs> you know. Cool. <laughs> and you know, and with the ride being gone, you know, uh, there is you know freaking like people, especially like old rides or. For instance, rides that people can't ride currently, like with Disneyland, people are like, damn it, like they missed that. So mm-hmm. for you, what made you want to do this about the the remake, the homemade version of the ride? Yeah. So, yeah, so people people were doing what they were calling homemade Disney. And then they were and it's, it's somebody on Twitter started and she was doing it very simple. Like she did soaring and it was like on her computer. And she put her feet. It was very super simple, but it's really um charming and then other people started doing more complicated ones like my friend who I produced this with she did a haunted mansion which is excellent like she created the haunted mansion her house and her and her husband played the characters it was amazing and I thought I want to do this and I love Disney but there's nothing I love more than back to the future and I thought if I'm gonna do this it has to be back to the future uh and I don't think anybody at that point had done a ride that had been closed and I literally was going to do it just super simple I was just literally going to like, oh, we're in front of the TV and whatever. Um, but my friend who I was quarantined with at her brother's house, his house is really weird and elaborate. It's like three stories and whatever. It had all these elements that fit the ride so well. Um, it had like these like glass bricks that are the exact same glass bricks that are behind the receptionist in the ride and had these like stairs. Anyways, so I just ended up trying to make it really elaborate. And the idea ultimately was that I feel that when I talk to fans about the ride, the thing that they remember is not so much the ride, not the, the, the ride film, because we can all watch that on, Netflix, uh, on, uh, on YouTube. It was all the other elements. It was waiting in the weird line. It was uh-huh. seeing the weird little video, pre-show videos of like uh, Doc's life or, or, you know, like Doc on the march and all his inventions. And then seeing like Doc yelling at the screen about Biff and then Biff, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I do for Back to the Future is I say, hasta la bye-bye. And that's because that's what Biff says yeah. in the ride. And it's, it's again, it's him misquoting something, you know? So, and then, and then my friend actually had the idea, like, we should do the, the uh, she's not a big fan of Back to the Future, but she's like, we should do the store. Because she remembered the store. So I kind of wanted to do a thing where, like, we did all the little bits. That it wasn't just, like, us sitting on the ride and doing the ride. But it was, like, my favorite, the part that I really wanted to do was, I, I used to, when I used to do the ride, uh, the ride was a big influence on me being a fan. Like I had seen part three when I was seven, I became a fan. But when I went on the ride, it's when I became obsessed with Back to the Future because it was essentially walking into the movie. And yeah. I remember walking into the pre-show room, which was like kind of an extension of Doc's office. And he had all these things on the walls, these papers and the pictures and little things from the movies that you can look at. And like the hoverboards, you can look at them up close. And I was obsessed with that room. I loved that room every time I went on the ride. And that's what I wanted to recreate because I have a bunch of stuff that I collected over the years. So I recreated a scene that was us going into that room and like looking at all the pictures and all the newspapers and stuff that I've collected. And um, and so to me, it was really important to to recreate that, not, ju- not just us sitting there and enjoying the ride, which also was super helpful that my, my friend's brother has like a giant screen TV. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I even, I found the, if you go on, YouTube or even on the Blu-rays, it has the right footage. Yeah. But it's cropped because it was shot in 70 millimeter. Yeah. So that's way big for TV. So it, they actually cropped it. But somebody 
again, fans and people are creative. Somebody created a 4K restoration of the entire 70, 60 millimeter frame of the ride. They use different elements and stuff. And that's what, the one we use. And that's why it looks so big on our screen because it was the full frame and not just the little like you know, 35 Man. millimeter box that they released. All right, well, we're here. We're at the middle part of the show. If you're listening today, May 25th, 2020, back in 1990 on May 25th, an amazing movie was released. And this is, I, honestly, I don't know where you guys rank, so we're going to start, you know, we'll rank it. But for me, honestly, actually, Taylor, you say part two. You love part two. But for me, like the the it's for the original and then part three is atop the sequel and it is back to the future part three so this movie was released may 25th 1990 uh the plot behind it is imdb as uh, imdb what they say is stranded in 1955 marty mcfly learns about the death of doc brown in 1885 and must travel back in time to save him with no fuel readily available for the delorean the two must figure out how to escape the old west before emmett is murdered and yes, and then obviously for those of you listening, you know, you know, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, you know, Tom F. Wilson, Leah Thompson. And this time we got Mary Steen version that comes on board for this film. So, yeah, this movie, um, you know, this is going to be the big anniversary, 30th anniversary special. And yeah, so let, let's get into it. So first, Taylor, uh, your thoughts, your love behind Back to the Future 3. So Back to the Future 3 is really uh, special to me because not only was it the only one of the originals I got to see in the theater when it first came out, but it was one of the first movies I saw in a theater that was for me. So I was born in 81. So I was nine years old when this movie came out. And before that, like my parents had taken me to other movies here and there, not really that much. And maybe I saw, you know, I think we saw Lion King in the theater, but that's later. <laughs> I don't even know That's, if I had seen a movie, you know, for kids. I mean, not to say that Back to the Future is for kids, but this movie felt like my parents didn't care about seeing it. It was for me to go see. Yeah. So it was huge. And I went, I remember with my older brother at the time and right before it, um, I think somehow we watched one and two in a row, maybe VHS or something. Um, and I was so excited to go see the end of the story. Like I had never been excited. Like nowadays, everybody knows there's hype. Like, oh, we made Iron Man one, two, three. There's going to be Avengers. There's that buildup. <laughs> but back then, because I was too young for the Star Wars Return of the Jedi buildup, this was it. This was like the movie I was looking forward to the most in my whole little young life. And hoverboards were so exciting to me. Like it was... I was so excited to see hoverboards again in this movie. I'm like, ah, oh, it's the old West. I don't love Westerns, whatever. But then they brought out the hoverboard and I was just, this is perfect. This is the ending of this story that I always wanted to see. And I loved it. And to me, it's equal with number one. I like number two the best and the other two are tied. Yeah. But, um, I remember after like two days after we left the theater, um, hanging out with my brother. We lived like an hour away from the nearest town in the middle of nowhere. So we'd have to drive in an hour to go anywhere. So to go to the movie, it was an hour and an hour back. But a couple of days later, we were gonna go to Toys R Us for something or other. I don't know, it was my birthday or something. And for the whole hour drive, he had me convinced that hoverboards were real. 
the fake news articles that's that messed oh, up. Were real. And he said, we're going to Toys R Us and we're going to buy a hoverboard. Oh it's man, that's bad. so exciting. They're, <laughs> they're so real. And then when we got there an hour later, you know, I'm nine years old and he's 10 years older than me. So he's pretty smart, but he figured out, basically he convinced me that they're still real, but the government says we can't have them because they're not safe enough. Uh. <laughs> so they didn't recalled, so you can't have one. And it took me years to figure out that he was messing with me. Yeah. Like I was in school telling people, no, 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 they're real. They're real. They're real. We just can't have them. No. <laughs> government says, that's <laughs> a conspiracy theory at nine years old. But like that, to me, that experience with Back to the Future Part 3 in the theater and the hoverboards, that's when I fell in love with Back to the Future the most. And that's why I still love it today. So this movie, you know, it's a lot of people don't love it as much as the first one or the second one even. But to me, it's like you can't have one and two without three and you can't have any of it. Like it's so, it's such a perfect trilogy that yeah. I think three is like it's super important. Yeah. See, I when it comes to part three, like I, I like I, I hate that it doesn't get as much love or people sometimes they'll say like, ah, that movie sucks. Like it's the worst one of the trilogy. But I don't I don't understand that because it's like it's a whole new story where with part two, I love part two. But part two does use a lot from the first film. Mm -hmm. So they kind of in the future, they kind of recreate, you know, the whole square, the skateboard chase, the all of that. Like they kind of rehash certain things, you know, where with part three, you get a whole complete new story. 100 percent. And it, it like and I love that. And it takes place in the old West. So you got mm -hmm. these people from the future trying to figure out how to live in the old West in which doc is already doing that you know but now they're trying to get out of there it, it was awesome seeing the trailer at the end of part two like that was cool because that was unknown to be like oh right when the movie ends you're already seeing something for the next film you're like what the hell as a kid you're like oh like i remember we got up and then boom we all stood there just realizing there's more and then you're watching the trailer for part three and you're like Oh, what, what they're in the old West. That's like, that's so cool. And, and, you know, and then you walk out and then they didn't wait long. Unlike most of these movies now where you got to wait like two a year or whatever, like they were quick to give us the third film. Mm -hmm. and, and that was awesome. You didn't have to wait long. What about you, Kevin? What, where, where do you stand with part three? Um, well, um, well first the, about the hoverboards, do you, Taylor, do you oh, know yeah. why, you know why your brother said that, that the government banned them? Well, it's like a fake news article or something. Robert Zemeckis yeah. said it in a behind the scenes video. He said, these are real, but we can't, Mattel can't release them because parent groups um, made a big deal and they were banned. And that is why so many of our older brothers and sisters, like my sister, yeah. believed it and then told us and then we believed it because the it. director of the film said it. So. So thank you, Robert Zemeckis, for, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was like on TV, right? Like that behind yeah. the scenes, because I remember it, it seeing like that. On, on like CBS or NBC behind the scenes. And he's just like, yeah, they're real. They just can't release them. So, uh, so yeah. Um, I, so part three, I absolutely love part three. Uh, part three is very important to me. It was, it was the first one that I saw. Uh, and again, it's, I, I was seven. And it was not just only the first one that I saw. It was, it was one of the first films that I saw, but I was at that, I think seven is just that right age when you start becoming aware of things just beyond yourself. And what I remember is this, I was, for me, the anniversary is July 5th, because that's when I, or around that time, because I was uh, 
vacationing with family in Colombia, visiting family there, and it came out on July 5th. And then my sister and my cousins there were so excited. You know, we're gonna go see this movie, they're gonna see this movie, and I wasn't aware of the previous two. All I knew was that, that my older siblings and cousins were excited about something, and as far as I knew, this was, the, was gonna be the greatest movie of all time, because I didn't have a, I didn't know anything about anything else. I had no comparison. So I went in with like 100% expecting it to like be the best thing ever and the most important thing ever made. And I think what got me at the time was I went in and I saw part three. And if you see part three, especially for a seven-year-old, just by itself without any context that there's two more or anything, the movie's incredibly confusing. Like none of it makes sense. Like it starts with the last scene of the first movie. Like, in, you know, and I remember, I guess that there's two ways that this could have gone. Or, you know, if I'd been a different kid, it could have confused me. I'd just been like, well, you know, forget this movie. Like, I don't care. But no, it really intrigued me. I was, I really wanted to know what was going on because I felt like I was missing something. Um, and I remember formulating theories in my head. I was like, oh, the guy on the clock and the lightning hit, he got sent back in time to the Old West. And I made up all these theories about how the movie worked. And then, of course, my cousin and my sister and my whatever, they were oh, you know, the car flies. Oh, you know, there's two more other movies, you know. This movie has the, mo the coolest car stuff of all three movies. If you think about it, like, yeah, the first one has some time travel, the second one has a little bit of flying. The third one has the scene from the end of part one. It has the car at the drive-in throwing off sparks. It has the car driving against Indians and being shot at. It has the car being pulled by horses. It has the car being pushed by a train. It has the car being smushed. Um, it has like for a kid who loves cars and stuff like that, it is like the most amazing movie for the DeLorean. It does yeah. the most stuff. Um, yeah, you're right. Like but with, with most with all the other films, this one, the, the car gets a lot of use yeah. in many different ways. The other ones, yeah. it's just he's in the road, the mall being chased by the Libyans and, you know, and, and part two. Yeah, you see it fly. But we're with this one. Yeah. Yeah, like the train, you know, like you get it again, Back to the Future, like the two versions in the beginning. Then when he goes in back in time, getting chased by Indians, like, yeah. And then it gets destroyed. Like, damn, they get a lot of work in the third film. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that the third, as an adult now, I feel like the third is the one that has the most character work. You yeah. know, part one has character work. But in reality, like, it's, it's uh, you know, Marty, he's friends with Doc, and he goes back in time. And then, like, the other dog, they're not really friends yet, and they become friends. And that's great. And then part two, they're just running around doing stuff. Part three, they slow down and you actually get to see them be friends. You actually get to see them like chat about girls and you, about their future and about like, you know, insecurities and about like, and you just get, you get to see them be buddies. Yeah. Um, and it feels like the most, I feel like obviously I love part one, but part one isn't a good movie that's part of a series. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of very self-contained. It's just by itself. It kind of ends everything else is tacked onto it, but it's not really tacked onto anything else. Part two is like an in-between bridge. You know, it, it, it bridges two movies together. Part three, it's like a really good episode. Like it's like the best episode of the Back to the Future TV series. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, uh, you know, people like, I don't know if you're into Breaking Bad, but people tend to like the second to last episode the best. Like they feel that's the best episode of the whole series. I feel like part three is like that. Like as a series, part three is just the strongest because it works with everything else the other movies has, have given it you know mm -hmm. yeah with um when it comes like with back to the future three the one thing that's cool about it because 
all three of the movies had this. They all had that exact scene from the clock tower. So when this movie starts, like you mentioned, the confusion, we start with the end, basically, of part one. But mm-hmm. it's also the end of part two. So all three films all have that exact same scene. Yep. So it's pretty cool that we get that, you know, and then right away it leads it leads to like, you know, Doc fainting and then the title sequence starts. Boom. And he takes him at the home. So it, once again, he's like just like in the first film where he's freaked out. He's confused. Like, who are you? We get it again in the third film. He's like, what the hell? Like, I just took you to the future. He's like, yeah, I'm back. It's like, but you, he's like, okay, who sent you? Me. And it's cool. Like, I like the scene where, you know, he's reading the letter. He's like, how do you, if, if you know I'm back in 18, like, how do you know? He's like, because you wrote me. So I love when he's reading the letter. And at the very end, when he reads the letter, he's like, wow, I never knew, like, I could write something so, like, you know, profound emotion. He's like, and he's like almost crying. And then Marty's just like, yeah, I know doc. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Like little scene, you know, yeah. like, it's cool. Like, it, you know, um, it, it's, I like when he finally like finds the, the, the tombstone, yeah. you know, the tombstone and then he freaks out. And then that's when, you know, like that's when it puts it into play because if he would, if, if, if Copernicus who, I though I find weird that you would have a dog for years, name it one way, and then out of nowhere you're like, you know what, that's not your name anymore. You're Einstein. It's probably confusing oh, for a dog. Oh, oh, oh man, I don't I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to break this to you, buddy, but those are two separate dogs. Yeah. Copernicus died. He yeah. no no dog lives 30 years. So Copernicus is dead, and then he got a new dog, and he named. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, you're right. What the hell? It's yeah. not 15 years later. I don't know why I'm thinking about that. That's like because I'm like, yeah, because it's from 55 to 85. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What the hell? I, I don't know why that didn't pop in my head because he says, "Oh yeah, that's what you call your dog." And I'm like thinking, like, right. "Oh yeah, that's oh, the same dog." But name. in my head, I'm like, no, because mm-hmm. that time frame is 30 years. And my and me, I'm like, oh, he just traveled back in time. That's like a little time frame. Right yeah, there. yeah. Like it's like Which also, both like super smart dogs. Like yeah. they can like read tombstones and like notice Libyan terrorists showing up and warn. Right. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if they lived a long time. Like, you know, dog. Yeah, but I, I feel like an idiot. Like, why didn't you think of that? Dog doesn't live that long. It's like at most. Then they were like 10 years. Now dogs lived up to like 17 years they at most. Alike. The dogs look alike. So it's an, it's a, it's an easy. Right. Yeah, it's no, an easy but what I'm thinking, like, no dog is going to live that long from 55 yeah. to 85. <laughs> you right. know so i'm an idiot I on like that to, point no no i like not. to think it's like you know one had puppies and then another puppy like they're related yeah they're related probably it's the great great grandfather you know what i love what i love too is that with, with like that that scene where he's like um einstein he's like that's what you name your dog in the future he's like and he makes this face and it's like you named your current dog Caprinus. <laughs> Why is Einstein? I guess because Einstein was still a contemporary at the time. Right. Why is that? And he does that all the time. Like when he's at, at, at the first movie, he's at, at the mall. He's like, old crazy man Peabody wanted to grow pine trees. He's like, you devoted your life to building a time machine, dude. Or when yeah. he's like, who dressed you that way? You did. Like, Doug is always <laughs> yeah. underestimating how ridiculous he can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, that's why, like, when, when, because that's the cool part where they're at the movie theater 
mm-hmm. and no, or the drive-in. And then that's when he walks. In. He's like, Doc, are you sure this is what they look like? And he looks like a fool, like, you know, and it's like a costume. He's like, yeah, it's the old West. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah. it's like, you'll be fine. He's like, I don't think Clint Eastwood or whatever. He's like, Clint who? And then like on the right there, the posters are movies that Clint Eastwood was in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you haven't heard about him yet, you know. And then it's and then yeah, later on he's like, You shouldn't be wearing this. You're bound to get shot wearing this. He's like, Who dress what fool dress you like this? He's like, Yeah, it was you, you know. So it's 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 uh it's pretty cool. What what would be your favorite scenes in this? Wait, can can I make a uh uh we're talking about the dogs named Einstein and Copernicus? Here's a little tidbit from part three. Um it's hard to see, but Doc's horses have names of scientists too. Oh, cool. They're named Newton and something and something. And like, it's like, a, you have to like screen cap it. And it's like really, but somebody figured out that the three horses or whatever horses are in a stable are named after scientists. No, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, what Taylor, what, what is like, what's your favorite scene out of this movie? My favorite part of Back to the Future 3, um, when I was a kid, now I like the whole movie, Pretty much, except I don't love the ZZ Top part because I don't love ZZ Top. Whoa. It's like <laughs> really? I love Huey Lewis, but I don't love ZZ Top. And that always bothered me. Just Wait, as why? A- why? Why? What, what, what is it? Like, I'm not a fan of ZZ Top, but I always thought that cool little version of their song, but in the old West, like, I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, I felt like they were just being themselves. Like, in Huey Lewis in the 80s and even in the 50s was playing, you know, or he's not in the 50s, but he's playing a character that makes sense. Yeah, easy top in the old west. It's like, did they time travel back too? That always stuck out to me. Yes, for my favorite scene, I'm telling you the thing I like the least. <laughs> hey, no, that's all right. We you, can talk about the things you don't hear like. About Easy Top's um, requests when they were first asked to be in it, what they requested. You know how they always had? I don't know if you know this. Easy Top always has their cat, their car in their music videos. Right. So they were like insisting that their car appear in yeah. part three, and it's like it's in the old west. There can only yeah. be one car in the old west in this movie, you know. So yeah, so yeah that's a great like example of what's wrong with putting ZZ Top in the old west. <laughs> other than that, I think it's a great movie. But my favorite part was always um, the train sequence at the end, and specifically the the use of the hoverboard, you know, around. The, it's just when when like Doc is holding um, Clara on the hoverboard and they drift off. It's just I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it still looks One of the cool best today. Build up sequences. Yeah, it's like the best, you know, it's such genius writing to have it like one log and then two logs and then three logs. And like, we're going to get there and we're going to get there. And a train has never gone this fast. I just thought it was such a cool, unique build up scene because you see car chases all the time and all these other mm-hmm. things. And I was worried when I was a kid there's going to be horses. I don't love the horse stuff. And then they did this really cool train thing and it just was. To me, it was just like the perfect way to get Marty back to the future and for that ending with Doc and the hoverboard. And I was always like, what, where did the hoverboard go? And who has it after this? And did he leave it? In the, <laughs> what's, you know? The bandana. This is Doc's bandana. Oh, wait, it yeah. is? Yeah. And if you can see it. So in part three, Doc's bandana is made up of the shirt that he wore in part two. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I have that shirt, but yeah. then also I have the bandana that looks all weathered and stuff. This is my, this is my uh, pandemic wear that I wear naturally now. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what would you guys think of bringing, of having a Biff style character, but with, 
you know, Mad Dog, like, you know, putting them back. Like, what? how did you guys feel about seeing that aspect of the Abyss great-grandfather? I love Mad Dog. Uh, I love Buford. I, I try not to call him Mad Dog because he doesn't like it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love, I love Buford because it is, listen, Biff is a bully. And yeah, like, he's bad and he's dangerous. And then, you know, and then Griff is crazy. But Mad Dog is really actually dangerous. He's the first real, like, bodily harm death threat that our characters have yeah and um i i've said this a lot i feel that tom wilson is like the mvp of the three movies he's like acting mvp like he he's able to like play biff and then play old biff differently and then play griff differently and then mad dog is just there's people who still don't realize that it's the same actor because he's so good um but yeah i do i do love buford um i kind of came up to this realization recently that Buford's re- hate for being called Mad Dog. You know, he call, he's called me, he's like, nobody calls me Mad Dog. I think it was put in there so that Marty realizes how ridiculous he is when he doesn't like being called nicknames. You know, mm-hmm. so Marty doesn't like being called Chicken, and he overreacts, but then Mad Dog, who's a, a psychopath, reacts the same way. There has to be something that, like, triggers Marty to be like, maybe I shouldn't react this way, you know? But, yeah. no, I love, I love Buford. What about you, Taylor? Yeah, same. I think um, to me, it was always logical. Like if, if you're a descendant of like the Western criminal outlaw guy who's actually going around murdering people. Yeah. You're going to be like the high school bully. Mm -hmm. Like as a kid who got picked on, I was like, yeah, that's the same. Those are exactly the same thing. And then, so it just seemed like, yeah, that family is just, just bad. But to see it, (laughs) to see it like start out really bad. And then it's always a little bit different every time. I, I think it's just great. Like you said, character work for Tom Wilson. It's amazing that he can do that. He plays so many different versions of a similar character, but they're just related. And if you compare it to the way Michael J. Fox plays the different versions of Marty and, and his kids and everything, yeah, Tom Wilson looks like a superstar. Michael J. Fox is perfect as Marty, yeah. but the rest of the characters, eh, not so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who's your guys' favorite of of the Biff family? From all the three films, wh- which bit Biff is your favorite? Mm. For me... I think I like 1955 Biff. 55? Yeah. I, I, I like the part three version. I, you know, honestly, probably... Huh? And he was really scary. Yeah, like, he was. Kids seeing that movie, that's the first one where it's not cartoony. I mean, it is a little cartoony, but it was actually, you know, a scary dude. He was going to hang Marty. As yeah. Soon as he, him. he was going to hang him up you know, like, just like nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. and it, if imagine if, if Doc had not been there at that moment. Like, he would have died. Before that, he was shooting at his feet to get him to dance. So already you know how crazy he is, you know, hence the name Mad Dog. Mad but Dog. yeah, he's about to kill this guy he just met. So it's just like, yeah, this guy is freaking nuts. The the, the next craziest level would be the 2015, you know, Griff, because he's going to smack, again, another guy he just met. Well, actually, no, he, he didn't just meet him. It's supposed to be his son. Yeah. But he's going to hit him with a bat. Like, he could kill him. Right. I feel, yeah. for, like, you guys know about the deleted scene in part three? with Marshall Strickland. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah. Like Biff in some other universe or in whatever he killed 
Marshall Strickland, you know, like they cut it out because it was too sad. Yeah. But yeah, he's dangerous. He's, I think that that scene just wanted, they wanted to, I think they cut out that scene because it was scary, but I think they were trying to make the point of like, our heroes might not get out of this because mm-hmm. this guy is willing to do anything because he doesn't care. Um, I think second in line in terms of danger is, is, uh, is uh, uh, alternate eight, 198, uh, alternate 1985 Biff, uh, Biff Co Biff. Yeah. Because you know? he did kill George McFly and he was about to kill Marty. Marty yeah. So I think and, he, you know, he is pretty, um, pretty much up there in terms of like the danger, but it's also like absolute power. You know, I think that like regular 1985 Biff wouldn't have killed anybody. He was just like a bully, but you know, once he got all that power and uh, no accountability, like he, uh, yeah, he would have killed. <laughs> Damn. So you have three versions of of him that are because yeah, the fifty five one, that one. Aside from him getting you know very fresh with you know Lorraine in the car, where he's like, "This ain't no peep show," you know that part. But aside from that, you got you got ones that were actual murders. Yeah. You know, you got the eighty five, the eighteen eighty five one. Then yeah, the the alternate um, nineteen eighty five um, one where yeah, he killed George. And then you have the future one who was about to, like, it would have caused some form of damage, even yeah. killed him if he hit him with the bat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this, this guy is freaking crazy. You got a very crazy yeah, uh, yeah. A family, you know? And and it's, um, but I like he always gets his comeuppance, you know? And yeah. in this one, in part three, he, again, once again, he, once he gets arrested for, and, and then, but also he, go, he falls in the manure. Now, it seems like, you know, if, well, Kevin, it seems like you tend to have a lot of like insider knowledge, like more. Uh, what is that manure? What is that? That's actually in his mouth and he spits out. Oh, I think um, Tom talks about that, but I think it's just like peat moss and like, like uh, sawdust and stuff like that, like paint it, you know, like yeah. uh, color, uh, food coloring. Um, Cause I guess, I guess, I think that's one of the questions that he's asked the most when people meet <clears throat> Tom yeah. is, what was the manure or is that was that real manure and he's like no it was whatever <laughs> but i kind of to be honest with you and i got into the point now that i love the movie so much that i i feel okay being critical of them i kind of hate how all the biff people end up in manure i kind of hate that like oh really biffs ends up in manure twice in the same week and then his ancestor also ended up in manure it's a little bit too on the nose but that's just my uh yeah my little bit of, of criticism for something that I love more than anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we're getting at the, at, at basically the tail end. I mean, we could continue going on talking about part three, but before we go, I mean, is, I mean, Kevin, you kind of meant, uh, no, actually Taylor, you mentioned what you disliked about, uh, part three, you said it was ZZ Top, that scene. Oh, well, necessarily, it's not really even the movie itself. It's just you weren't a fan of the group and you hated that, you know, but... The it, scene it, is fine. Yeah. put them out of it, that dance scene, I think, is great. Yeah. And I, I love the festival. I think stuff. that's my favorite scene is the festival. See, yeah. but what's funny is they're in it for like a little bit and you're like, nope, that's the I worst I love part. ZZ Top in there, but it's just also because I didn't, when I saw it, I didn't know who ZZ Top was. I didn't care. As far as I knew, they were just these guys in the movie. And it took me a long time to realize they were real people. So and I and I guess they are being ZZ Top because their whole gimmick of their songs was yeah. the spinning. So yeah. they had to put that in the song, in which us trying to figure like I could not for the life of me figure out how to do that. And that was all my girlfriend. She's like the creative one. So she figured out how 
to get us to spin our little guitars so we could do that scene for the project nice. 88 but i was like at first i was like i don't know how the hell i'm gonna do this like what do we do we couldn't do the drum because you know my my son he's a baby so how's he gonna spin it so we couldn't do that but like like having to do i was like why the hell did they have to spin their stupid guitars like they do that in their in their 80s videos like why are they doing this in you know in this part but i guess you know that that you know that damn the- that do you want to hear what my, what my least favorite thing is from part yes, three? Yes, I want to know what, what's your thing that, that bothers you about this movie. So the thing, it's not the scene and it's not the, I'm okay. I, I get that movies sometimes when they get near the end, they get absurd. Yeah. So I'm super okay with like the time train. Okay, sure. Doc built the time train. He came and Huffer converted. Fine. I buy that 100% just because we're ending the movie, wrapping it up. What I don't get is this. Doc spent 10 years building this time train, you know, from scratch. Brand new, you know, steam powered, in secret, you know, it works. It takes his family, it goes to the future, get gets it hover converted. Great. All he's doing all this so he for two reasons to get Einstein, which is understandable, um, and because the dog lives forever, and to see his friend, to see Marty again, right? Mm-hmm. So he arrives at the railroad tracks to see his friend, and he never gets down. He just stays up on the train. Yeah. He's like, okay, bye, Marty. Like, yeah. get down. Give your friend a hug. Like, right? <laughs> like, look at him in the eyes. Like, you spent 10 years building this thing to, like, see him again. Yeah. And then you're just going to hang out up there and just be like, right. meet the family. Like, or, like, you know, get down. Like, hide the train. Spend a week or something. But even at least get down and shake his hand one last time. I just hate the dog doesn't get down from the damn time train. <laughs> well, maybe he's coming back like five minutes later. Yeah. You know, like he had to go run an errand and then as soon as the credits roll, he pops back in yeah. to give him a hug. Let's, let's hope that's the truth. Yeah. The other, the other ridiculous thing, and I don't hate this as much, but the other ridiculous thing about that ending is that the DeLorean gets hit by the diesel train and the diesel train makes no effort to stop. Yeah. That, that was gonna... And he just keeps going and then Marty leaves and comes back a couple hours later. No police. Yeah. No, no <laughs> officials from the railroad track. All the pieces are still on the floor. Nobody gave, like this diesel train driver was like, all right, I have a deadline to meet. I'm going to run over this car and just keep going. Hopefully nobody knows. That, that's the one thing that, was, that I've always had an issue with this film, that in real life, boom, right away, man, train would have stopped. They would have called it in. Cops would have came like, mm-hmm. it, were there people in this car? But no, yeah, he just takes off and then they come back later and it's still there, picks up the license. Like, come on. Like, yeah. and, and then the big old train, like they're by a, a busy street because when he first shows up, you see people at the light. Yeah. So you're telling me when Doc shows up, there ain't no people still coming, driving through. There ain't no light. Like no mm-hmm. one's going to notice this flying train. Like the people in the houses, like, like yeah. we were recently doing our, our little fan group. We we're doing a rewatch of it on Netflix. Yeah. And somebody pointed out that when the diesel train hits, there's people from the apartment complex to the right that come out and look over the fence to see what happened. And then the time train, flying train comes back and nobody from those houses are coming out to look. Nobody, the people who saw the, you know, are they like, no, we already saw a weird thing today. We're just going to stay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're at a, a, the 
end of our show. So before we go, yep. I want you guys to be able to give us your plugs uh, for, pro- you know, we talked about project 88 in the beginning. So Taylor, uh, if you have anything also to, um, you know, your last blockbuster, I brought that up too. So anything, you know, you want to plug links where people could find this, see it, uh, so on. Yeah. So if anybody wants to see project 88, uh, it's at bttftoo.com back to the future two, as in also, um, and that's got the movie, the behind the scenes stuff and links to like the, the thing that they did today. Um, and then, yeah, I got another movie coming out real soon, hopefully about the last blockbuster video that exists in the world, which is here in Oregon. Um, I put it out, we were supposed to premiere it, but COVID put a stop to that. And that's at lastblockbustermovie.com. You can see the trailer. And then Kevin, what about you for, you know, your, your remake of your ride? And you say you also do some, some videos with one of yeah. your friends. So, so I, I produce videos with my friend. Uh, her name is Jenny Lorenzo. You can look her up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, just Jenny Lorenzo. We do comedy, sketch comedy videos. It's Latino based. Uh, it's like that, you know, she's Cuban and I'm Colombian Venezuelan. And it's very like Miami and, uh, comedy, humor sort of stuff. Uh, but it's also, we've been told that it's very accessible, like other people from other cultures enjoy it. They see their grandmothers in it. She plays seven different characters and a lot of times against herself. Um, so, you know, we write them together, we edit, we direct them together and she stars in them. So if you like comedy and stuff, check that out. Um, the, uh, the, if you want to see the Back to Future, the ride remake, um you can go to my youtube which i don't even know what the url is because i've had it for 12 years and i've only had like two videos on there um but you can find me on twitter at kevin bosch uh, at kevin bosch or instagram i think it's also at kevin bosch and it's linked on twitter it's linked on there that's probably the, the easiest thing or just search homemade back to future the ride on on youtube and if you want to be part of our fan group um so if you want to go to citizensofhillvalley.com that points to the facebook group so just answer if you want to be part of it, if it sounds interesting to like be friends and talk to other Back to Future fans and like and do events and do meetups. Like we a group of us, just, we went to Manchester and saw the, the play before all this sort of stuff, the, the musical, um, which is great. So, yeah, it's citizensofhillvalley.com. It goes to the Facebook group and just request. It might take a little while, but um, but yeah, and I I'm, I'm, have other things in, that I'm planning to do Back to Future wise. But right now, the epicenter would be that group. Any awesome. events, anything is going to be that group. All right. Well, there you have it. And then make sure to, you know, to visit, uh, we got a website going, it's a brothersbearnetwork.com. So you could check out, catch, you know, the episode you also go back. It's be, it was considered a bonus episode. It's between episode 70 and 71. So it's just a bonus episode where you can listen to Taylor's interview where he talks about, it was actually a week left of the Kickstarter for the last blockbuster documentary. So if you want to go back, check out, listen to that interview, check it out. And then, yeah. And then check out their stuff, their videos, project 88. You know, I was a part of it. You can see my scene at the very end, back to the future three. I did the, the, the cool teaser trailer. So you could see that, you know, so check it out. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun spending our time in 1885 talking about, you know, confusing dogs, not realizing they don't live 30 years, you know, mentioning about homemade movies and also homemade rides. But I think it's time that Kevin, myself and Taylor hop into our DeLorean and travel back to the future.
This has been a Brothers Bear Network production.